Uh, this is Mike Costa, writer of Cobra, and you're listening to Star Joes. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 97, another masterpiece, How Do I Do It? I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And welcome back, everyone. How, how do we keep doing these masterpieces, Chuck? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Luck uh, and prayer. Yes. Uh, it's, it's been a while uh, since we've been able to get together. Like, really, what, JoeCon, maybe? Yeah, I think Possibly. so. Possibly. Yeah. So, lots been going on. Sorry it's been delayed as far as listener feedback. We're in, in Casa de la Chuck yeah. uh, right now. See, I had a vacation for a week, uh, had a lot of fun just down in Florida visiting the family, uh, went and saw Iron Man 3, which was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, just been staying busy. How how things going for you? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> uh, nothing, you know, free comic book day, so took kids to go get some free comic books, and it's been busy at work, and lot of personal stuff so yeah well uh we're gonna get caught up on some some listener feedback today we're gonna get caught up on some comics today uh i even brought an action figure so we could do an action figure review so uh why don't we just jump right in with some some listener feedback because there's there's been a lot uh oh, yeah. since we've been since we've been gone since we've been gone oh lord <laughs> Alright, so uh, go right into the Jedi Holocron. And we had a lot of emails while we were gone. Uh, first email to get caught up on, a lot of emails about the G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. So uh, one was from uh, Jason A. He, he simply said, uh, that's what a G.I. Joe movie is supposed to be. That was enough said. It was, so. it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Then uh, we had the opposite uh, email from Thomas B. 
He said, uh, Hi, Star Joes. Just wanted to share my thoughts on the latest G.I. Joe film. I was disappointed with Retaliation. The movie was better than Rise of Cobra, but overall was still a failure. The only good parts of the movie were The Rock as Roadblock, Ray Stevenson as Firefly, Jonathan Price as Zartan slash The President, Ray Park as Snake Eyes, Lee Byung-hun as Storm Shadow, Ninja Scenes in the Mountains, Cobra's Doomsday Device, and the visual effects. And what else was there? That was the whole movie. That was kind of my thought, too. I was like, um, I don't know much of what's left. But don't worry, he lets us know. Okay, okay. <laughs> he says, the rest of the movie was unforgettable. I think he meant forgettable. Yeah. Because if it's unforgettable... You, you liked it. You liked it, right. He said, uh, Arz, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name. Raza or Arza, whatever, the rapper guy. As a blind master was a bad casting choice. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he turned the movie into a parody by his portray, his portrayal, I'm assuming he means. Uh, Paramount should have hired an Asian actor to play blind master. Speaking about characters, Flint, Lady J, and Cobra Commander were underused. So as far as the, the blind master, yeah, they... They should have casted somebody else. Uh, I don't think it ruined the movie. Though there was so much editing that happened with the blind master that yeah. he's barely in the movie. Um, he said, with Roadblock as the leader, Flint was not needed. Flint's uh, supposed to be this tough-as-nails, get-the-job-done-at-any-cost leader of the Joes. In retaliation, he was just some punk, young punk who had the hots for Lady J., I believe the only reason Flint was in the movie was for fan service. Everyone who's seen the cartoon and uh, read the comics knows, knows that those two are an item. Yeah, I think Flint was underused, but I, he's also like kind of... I don't know if the actor was really a, a known actor. Like, I yeah, didn't, I didn't really know him for anything else, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they were just trying to set him up for the third movie, because I, I did hear that they're supposed to use Flint a bit more in the, in the third movie that's already greenlit. Could have been. So, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. There was a couple things I had a little problem with, um, you know, the Rashikagi symbol on everything. That mm-hmm. was, you know, Secret Ninja Clan, let's advertise it. Sure. And the uh, <laughs> Jinx's accent was kind of British. Yeah. A little too British for me. Yeah. That, that didn't bother me so much, but I understood your point with it. Like, she's supposed to be related to Storm Shadow, at least. Yeah, it's like his cousin or something. Right. And, which I don't know if they even... Did they play that up in the movie really Not much? Not They mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Flint could have been used more. I don't think he... It's not like he didn't exist. I mean, he played some key parts in the movie and everything else, but uh, he was certainly underused. But well, yeah, that, I mean, the focus was The Rock. Right, The Rock and Roadblock, yeah. Yeah. Um, he said... Now, this part I, I don't agree with. He said, Lady J was just there for eye candy. Two back-to-back scenes... They tried to route some skimpy, uh, something skimpy in order to entrance a man. I won't dispute that Adrian Palicki is, isn't a pretty woman, but couldn't the writers have found something to show Lady J is more than a pretty face? In Dark Knight Rises, uh, Catwoman was more than just eye candy. She was intelligent, she knew how to fight, and she was a master thief. They gave Lady J nothing besides the weak daddy issues subplot. To me, that didn't go, uh, that didn't go anywhere. I completely disagree with Lady J. Yeah, I thought she was a pretty strong character. I thought she was a little bit better character than Flint was. Flint was way underused, like yeah. I said, but that the focus of the movie was, was rock. And then Bruce yeah. Willis secondary, you know. Yeah, I mean, I thought they used Lady J really well. I mean, she was a strong character. She she was tough as nails. I don't... She was more tough as nails than Flint was. Yeah. 
I was a little um, upset Duke died, but... Well, yeah, I was okay with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I thought she was a really strong female character. Are they going to use play up her sexuality? Sure, of course they're going to. She's a very pretty lady, and they're going to use that. And if anything, it seemed like she, as the character, Lady J, she meant to use her sexuality to distract people. It was like her, as if it was, like, her idea. Right. It wasn't even, you know, like... Oh, let's just find a reason to put her in skimpy outfits. Like there was a purpose behind it, so right. And, and I'm not going to complain about that either. Kind of espionage, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, he says Cobra Commander was barely in the film uh, to make a mark. The outfit he had looked great. And I agree. I, I agree. With that. Yeah, and I like how uh, how his voice sounded. I do too. Uh, yeah, I know Cobra Commander isn't the leader who faces the Joes out front. I just wish he did uh, more in the film. Yeah. He's he's always the guy that's behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's kind of what they did. They brought him out. To me, they brought him out when they needed to bring him out, which is at that big summit that every, all the leaders were at and, and everything else to show that he's in control. Um, again, I think they're, they're going to, I think they're establishing him more in this movie because they didn't do such a great job with him in the first movie. I mean, you also had other stronger, you know, villain characters, Firefly, Zartan. Right. You had to work those guys in too. Yep. And again, stronger actors playing those parts. That's true, yeah. So I think, I think again, I, I think we're going to see more Cobra Commander in charge in the third movie. Like, because I'm sure that's what they're kind of building up to is this big, you know, if they're going for a trilogy, they're building up yeah. this big crescendo at the end and, you're going to see, you know, big leader versus big leader and everything else. I heard it was already, like, greenlit. The third movie was already greenlit. Yep, it was. So, so. It made a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sure. He says, I almost forgot about uh, G.I. Joe's namesake, Joe Colton, played by Bruce Willis. Did anyone tell Bruce Willis about Joe Colton? Because it seems Bruce Willis just showed up for a paycheck. Uh, Bruce Willis was just being Bruce Willis. He made no effort to bring the character to life. He was just sleepwalking through the film. Again, I don't agree with that. Um, you explained to me who Joe Colton's supposed to be because he's never been defined before, as far as I knew. I mean, as far as a character, well, I mean, like the action adventure team stuff. I mean, if they want him just to be the man on the package, or you know, yeah. stuff like that. I mean, but I mean, I don't think that I thought he was okay. I mean, I, it wasn't great. It wasn't no, it wasn't but it was great. Like, it was okay, sure. But like, I just don't know who he's meaning Joe Colton should be. Like. To me, his personality and everything else has never been really defined. Yeah. So, I mean, Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis, I mean, that's who Joel Colton could be. I don't know. It's just, I thought it was a fun character. I liked seeing him in there. So. Yeah, I was okay with it. Um, another item that didn't sit well, he had, he had a lot to say. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. What was the end? They show Roadblock coming back home to his daughters and the Joes on the front lawn of the White House getting medals from the president. Here's the problem. Cobra Commander and his voice forces are still out there, and London was destroyed. I think it's a little early to have a cel- have a celebration. If the credit said one year later, and some made reference that Cobra hasn't been seen in months, and London is almost rebuilt, I would have been fine with this scene. As it was, I couldn't buy this happy ending. Uh, it's okay. I mean... He's good. He's coming home, number one, from being away from his daughters. The only problem I had with the ending was who was watching his daughters while he was gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they never showed, like, a wife. They never showed, like, yeah, anyone. But I could see him coming home being celebrating to see his daughters. Regardless of what happened with London and everything else, that didn't affect him personally. Um, as far as the medals, they were given medals because they saved the president and they... 
saved all of the world leaders. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're getting medals for. But, I mean, it that part didn't bother me at all. Uh, yeah, Cobra Commander's still out there, but that's not what they're getting medals. It's not like, well, you got a medal, could you stop Cobra Commander? Even though you didn't catch them. It's, so, I don't know. Uh, there's no doubt... G.I. Joe is going to make its money back. Problem is, G.I. Joe Retaliation won't make that Dark Knight and Avengers money. I don't think they were ever planning to make that kind of money. <laughs> no, they, they probably couldn't if they wanted to. Right. Uh, those two films were plotted well, and the audience was emotional, emotionally invested in the character, which leads to repeat business. G.I. Joe Retaliation was just a movie of explosion, visual effects, one-liners, and fan service. If this was the 80s, it would be fine. In 2013, it's time... Uh, for the G.I. Joe movie franchise to grow up and start putting more quality into the films. Again, I don't agree. I think it did a far better job than the first movie. Uh, I like it. I think it's going to save the franchise because I think you and Roger talked about on the on the Guys with Toys show, I think G.I. Joe would have died if this movie didn't do well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think much like Transformers, is it the G.I. Joe movie I would have made? No. But is it going to potentially help save the franchise? I think it will. I think we're going to see more toys. We're going to see another movie. And there's going to be more tied into that third movie now that they know that a G.I. Joe movie could be successful. Yeah, I think people are just waiting for the other stuff to come out because looking at the movies done, it's you know pretty much out of theaters by now. Unless right. your theater's really hanging on to it. Um, the new wave of toys hasn't hit yet. People are still seeing that first and second waves. Yep. So there's there's really nothing else kind of driving it right now. So yeah. People are just kind of waiting on that. Yeah, I think they're just going to, you know, when we see the third movie come out, I think we're going to see more of what we expected of toys coming out right before the movie starts, a lot more promotion for the movie, uh, a lot more excitement building up to this movie. I mean, there was a lot of excitement building up to this one, but there's going to be a lot more surrounding it. This one, I think they went into a lot more trepidation a lot more oh yeah they they definitely were skittish yeah because of the uh the first movie yeah and again is this a gi joe movie i would have made no it's not but it's it definitely speaks to the public a lot more like it's it's the best movie that was made for gi joe so far in my opinion yeah absolutely um I mean, there's a lot of things of what they feel like, quote-unquote, the public is going to accept and what they're going to like. So I know a lot of people went and saw it, and a lot of people really enjoyed it. So, And yeah. that's really all that ultimately matters. It made a lot of money, mm-hmm. so that keeps the franchise alive. So, um, Then we had an email from Ted J, and he's the one that uh, made us aware of Mindbender's Clinic, which happened uh, this past May 18th in Rapid City, South Dakota. So hopefully some people uh, went to that. Uh, yeah, if you went, yeah, and let us know. Yeah. And uh, he said it was great to hear that last part of Sunday's uh, voice panel again. So he's talking about the voice actors panel that we put out. Yeah. Uh, he said, I was the one who did the Lady J tribute. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and he says, to hear Mary Max say thank you again was just, well, thank you for posting it. So. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for putting it together. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really well done. Something you really had to had to see, and I hope you guys had the opportunity. We put out the audio, but there was a visual. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody actually took a video or put it out there, but it was it was really nice. Yeah, it was nice. It took all the the cartoon clips of Lady J and put it to the music of Lady. Lady, yeah. So sticks. Uh, yep. So 
then we had an email from Thomas B. He says, Hi, Star Joes. I just wanted to write in my thoughts regarding the casting of Splinter and April O'Neil for the upcoming TMNT movie. Uh, he said, Megan Fox's April O'Neil has me worried. Megan. Hot. <laughs> Megan Fox has yet to prove herself as a good actress. I don't care. I candy. And I think she, uh, I think she's too attractive to play April. What? Meg- <laughs> Megan Fox has model level looks, and April O'Neil should not look like a model. Whether Why not? She, whether she's a scientist or reporter, fingers crossed for scientists, she'll stand out too much if she looks like a model instead of a regular woman. April O'Neil should uh, should have. Classy, innocent, cute girl next door looks, not the very over, overly sexual features Megan Fox had in the, most of her films. Unless they dress Megan Fox down, which I doubt they will, it will be hard, a hard sell for me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to ugly up abroad. So. <laughs> um, I I actually agree. Although I have seen pictures of Megan Fox in her April O'Neil, and they have made her look more like. Like a person, plain. Yeah, more plain. I mean, not she's hot. <laughs> well, I think she's skanky. I don't think she's hot to begin with. But your opinions, Jade. <laughs> but uh, I agree that I was nervous because I think April, the character of April O'Neil, needs to be someone that can actually act. <laughs> and so far, we've not seen Megan Fox be able to act you at all. Jonah X. No, and I don't want to. <laughs> didn't see that? I didn't know. Oh my god, you actually think Jonah Hex was good? Yeah, it was okay. I've heard nothing but horrible, horrible, horrible things about Joan, the Jonah Hex movie. Oh, it was okay. No, it wasn't great, but it was okay. All right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch it just to prove to you that it was bad. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it's some Academy Award-winning flick, but it was. It was okay. I've heard it's just a big atrocious pilot. Dog doo doo. Really? <laughs> um, I thought it was okay. I like so, westerns though, so I, I like okay. westerns too. But it, I, from what I heard, that wasn't a very good western. Uh, but when it comes to Megan Fox, like I, I agree. I think I think April O'Neil should have that girl next door look. I think she should be definitely. She has to be able to act. I think she needs to because she really partially needs to carry the movie. She's got to be that supporting cast member. So. Um, so then Not he's really that's just somebody's personal opinion until it actually happens, right? And that's the thing. I could be pleasantly surprised once I see yeah. see her in the role, but I don't know. Right now, I, I was I wasn't happy with the casting either. Because and the other problem I have is, and I know this is different. I'm used to the cartoon April, so I'm used to the redhead. I right now I'm used to the little girl April, so <laughs> which is still a redhead. <laughs> yeah, I mean so, maybe they'll dye her hair red. I, yeah, mean, I don't know. So uh, he said, "Are they mad that Splinter's not going to be a real rat?" (laughs) Well, here's the thing: Daddy Danny Woodburn was as Splinter makes no sense to me. I don't see Sage Old Ninja Master in Danny Woodburn. To my knowledge, he hadn't done any voice acting work, so I am not convinced uh, he can produce the voice needed for Splinter. If he voices Splinter with his own voice, it would be uh, Raza all as the Blind Master all over again. That will take me out of the movie. Fingers crossed he will just be doing the acting while someone else provides the voice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who that guy is. Um, I looked him up, and if I remember right, he is... If you've ever seen uh, Seinfeld, there's a little midget actor in Seinfeld that's always hanging out with Kramer. Oh, that's him? I think, if I remember right, that's who it is. He's going to be Splinter? 
He's going to be Splinter. Sweet. So I don't know if he's playing Splinter or if he's voicing Splinter, but I think he's voicing I'd, Splinter. Let him do both. Um, so again, it, I don't know if I would have picked him, but at, obviously he auditioned for the part, sure. so they felt for what they were going for, he had the right voice. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, um, like I said, until they put it all together with all their right. costumes and movie magic and editing, I mean, who knows? I mean, I didn't think Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. Worked. When that happens, so. <laughs> so, um, so we had another email from Jason A. He said, "What's up, fellas? I have not written in a while and wanted to say hello." So, hello, hello. Um, what are you talking about, Jason? You just wrote us. We just, <laughs> we just talked about you. What's up? He says, uh, "I hope you guys are doing well. I've missed the show, but I guess you guys have been busy." Yeah, life. Yeah, he goes Ryan with losing weight and the new position at work, and Chuck doing guys with toys. I meant uh, Chuck being with the Guys with Toys podcast, not that Chuck is having sex with Guys with Toys. Wow. <laughs> well, That's a nasty term. You were doing them. <laughs> I guess. Anywho, I was wondering if you guys could help me. I want to get hold of some of the brochures that came with the G.I. Joe vehicles, but I am hesitant to pay $6 for the ones on eBay. Any suggestions? Steal them. <laughs> no, I mean, look at, like, uh, flea markets. Yeah. Uh, they're not even really, I guess yard sales if you get lucky or garage sales, but flea markets are a good place for it, or if you can win like a lot on eBay, you yeah. have the auctions and stuff, like the brochures and crap in there. Yeah. Yeah, I saw some at Joe Con. Yeah, I was going to say this. Ask, you know, buddies you grew up with who don't collect anymore if they still have any of that stuff. Right. If you're, you know, if they know you're a geek. I mean, there's not a lot of options for it. I mean, they're, they're, like you said, there's eBay, there's the flea markets, which I know we've always mentioned the flea markets, but they are a great source for finding that old stuff. Yeah. Um, like um, you said, JoeCon, if you could get a chance to go to one, they, they might even have, have them stuff. at yojo.com if you want to, you know, just look at them. Right. But if you want to, like, actually have them and hold them. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the best bet is ask, you know, old friends you grew up around the same age who don't collect the stuff. Maybe they still have yeah. them at their mom or dad's house. Or I mean, the reason why markets. the reason why they are six bucks is because people didn't hold on to them. Yeah, and they were paper and they got tossed. And right. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you would take them and I would, I would like the back of the card packages, every time I got a figure, I would cross it out or exit out. Right. I would so make a checklist of what yeah. I needed to get. So the next time I got a couple of bucks and went to Hills, I knew which figures I needed. So I would just, you know. Yeah, buy one of the ones I needed and cross them off the list. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's there's not going to be a lot of avenues out there because it's not like there's a huge market for it either. Yeah. So I actually would take the back of them too, and I would cut them out. Like if I had a duplicate, mm-hmm. not a duplicate figure, but the duplicate figures on the back, right? I would like play like memory with them and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. So I mean, I uh, here's something funny. I actually made a GI Joe game. I remember taking poster board mm-hmm. and actually like cutting out the little, like you said, the little. Um, pictures, pictures yeah. on the back, the file card, uh, the actual card, and I actually had different locations on the board where you would run into Firefly, where oh, you'd run okay. into Zartan. It was almost like a role-playing game because you would like roll the dice to land, and then you'd have to roll certain dice in order to beat them or, or knock away their hit points and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Nerd. Yep, pretty much. I played Memory. I was a little kid. I was like... <laughs> yeah, that's why I played Memory. I was a little kid. <laughs> so he says, you guys are still the greatest. I say that to what's on Joe Mind guys too, but I don't mean it. So wow. <laughs> he goes, peace out, geez. <laughs> Best Jason. So speaking of what's on Joe Mind guys, did you hear about the story of uh, Gary at uh, C2E2? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Tell so, it for everybody though. So Gary was at C2E2 and he went up to an illustrator that was there. Yeah. And the name is escaping me right now. So if you listen, I apologize. I just didn't write it down. But 
The, he said, oh, I do a G.I. Joe podcast. And he goes, oh, are you Chuck from Star Joe's? That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he did. So, so we're, we're big. We're big. Take that, Gary. Especially especially big in Germany. Like the Hoff. Like the Hoff. Huge in Germany. So, <laughs> so we got another email from Thomas B. He said, hi, Star Joe's. I hope you have Mary McDonald Lewis on the show. I had an issue regarding her comment on celebrity voice actors. She said they don't quite have the passion and the talent for voice acting. I found the comment quite snobby and a slap in the face to good celebrity voice actors. Has she not watched The Simpsons, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks films, and the DC Animated Universe? To me, all the voice talents in those fields are talented and passionate voice actors. Uh, the Simpsons have made a career with using celebrity voices. Three iconic characters came, with, came from celebrity voice actors. Sideshow Bob was Kelsey Grammer. Tori McClure was Phil Hartman. Lion, Lionel Hutz was Phil Hartman. Uh, any Simpsons fans would not say they didn't uh, they didn't have the passion or the talent to perform these roles. Disney, Pixar, and DreamWorks, such as uh, much like the Simpsons, have made a franchise of characters through the use of celebrity voice actors. Shrek had Mike Myers, Poe was Jack Black, Woody was Tom Hanks, and Buzz Lightyear was Tim Allen. So, before I get into this more of this, what what are your thoughts on the whole? I mean, voice. whether they're a celebrity voice actor or just a regular guy, as long as they do a great job, who cares? But yeah. I think the ones they're talking about, what she was talking about, is celebrity voice actors who want to go in and get an easy paycheck. Yeah. They don't really... They have asset. Yeah, they mail it in. Yeah. And that's a, I think it's what she was referring to. Well, and also the thing... But I can't I, speak for her, so... Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing she was speaking about is you get, you know, talking about snobby and slap to the face... I think that's the type of attitude a lot of times voice actors were getting. I mean, she mentioned, they both mentioned it on the panel, was you were seen as a second-class citizen or a failed actor if you were a voice actor. Oh, you're a voice actor. You're not a real actor. Yeah. So they would come, you know, these celebrities that come in now, some of them have that same attitude of, oh, you you know, oh, I can do what you do. Yeah, it's easy. I'll just wear my pajamas to work that day. Yeah, and you have to realize, too, like, it's kind of like, I mean... To give you an example, it's like my, my wife's a graphic designer, and she gets people all the time going, oh, graphic design, oh, yeah, I do Photoshop, I can do that, I can do this and everything else. So, I mean, she, she has four years of, of schooling, she has, you know, 12 years in the industry, this is what she does, she's a professional. Yeah, but it's plain on a computer, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people come in, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, can you oh, do you this? Photoshop, no big deal. Yeah, exactly, or, yeah. like, oh, can you make this change, like, I want this picture, like, a poster size. Well, there's restrictions that you can do. You can yeah. and can't do and everything else. That's, that's why they, they say that stuff. They don't understand right. and all that stuff. And, and the same thing is true. With, so. Yeah, same thing is true with voice actors. Voice actors have trained their voices to do certain voices, certain inflections, certain acting. Yeah. That's not just your average actor can come in and just do. Yeah, hey, make that silly voice. Right, exactly. So... Are there actors that can come in and do voice acting really well? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom Hanks and uh, Tim Allen. Yeah, I mean, you, story. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, James Earl Jones has learned how to use his voice really well. Obviously. Yeah. Um, you've got, but he's still a great actor. Uh, you've got Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland has done a lot of voice acting and everything mm-hmm. else now too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it all comes down to. Do they put the dedication into it, or are they just kind of mail? You got to put in? the time and effort and dedication into it, or just you know you can't mail it in. Yeah, I mean we've all watched those movies where you could tell from the animated movies where you could tell the the actor they got was just to get the name on yeah. in the movie. So uh, he said during Disney's second 
renaissance in the 90s, they used celebrities to their maximum value, particularly with Aladdin. Robin Williams' genie is one of the most memorable Disney characters of all time. He made the, the character such a part of himself. Again, Robin Williams is probably someone that throws himself into yeah, the role. So, but I mean that that wasn't the genie; that was Robin Williams, right? Yeah, he wasn't playing the genie; he was playing Robin yeah. Williams. Going back to an earlier email, Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis. Yeah. This was Robin Williams playing Robin Williams. They basically were cartoon. Yeah, they, they basically drew what he said. They recorded everything Robin Williams said, yeah. and then they did editing. Yeah, and then and then they drew what he said. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he went totally off script a lot of that stuff. Right. Whereas these guys, you know, Mary McDonald and, and uh, Bill Ratner, they came in with a script. Yeah. They were given a script. There wasn't ad libbing. I mean, there might have been a couple well, things here yeah. and there, but they probably talked about it. And yeah. It's not like they're going to get the free reign that someone like a Bill, a Robin Williams would get. Right. So they had to tailor their voicing and their acting based on the script they had. Yeah. It's a lot harder. Around. Sure, sure. So he said when Dan Castle, Castellaneta, a veteran voice actor, a.k.a. Homer Simpson, uh, voiced the genie in Return of Jafar in Aladdin series, the portrayal was off. He did a good job, but it wasn't the same as Robin Williams. So in this case, the celebrity voice actor was better than the traditional voice actor. Again... It's because you're used to hearing Robin Williams, and that's what you wanted to right. hear. So it might not have been bad. It just it just wasn't what you wanted to hear, thereby diminishing it already. Yeah. Well, and going back to what you were saying before was they probably didn't give him the free reign that they gave Robin Williams. They probably told him, here's your script. Read this. Read this, yeah. And it wasn't as good because he wasn't able to just let loose. Yeah. Or maybe he didn't have the ability to let loose like Robin Williams. Robin Williams goes on tangents like crazy. So. Yeah, he's, he's a one of a kind. So, That's for sure. <laughs> so finally, the DC Animated Universe voice cast is made up of traditional voice actors, celebrities, Broadway actors, musicians, and television movie actors. Some of the key roles during the DC Animated Universe period were not voiced by traditional voice actors. Batman and Superman were voiced by Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly, respectively. Both men were television actors prior to doing these roles. Uh, to this day, their voices are eternally linked with those characters. Uh, also, Mark Hamill and Ed Asner, two celebrities who years prior ventured into voice acting, will always be highly regard uh, be highly regarded for their voice work on The Joker and Granny Goodness. Uh, yeah. Kevin Kevin Conroy, the, uh, Tim Daly, yes, had some acting, TV acting with Wings and yeah. whatnot. Um, Kevin Conroy, I don't remember ever before, up until him voicing Batman. I'm sure he's right in saying he was a TV actor, but yeah, I don't remember it. That's yeah, just me. Um, Mark Hamill didn't have a career anymore. I hate to say it. He was Luke, and that was it. <laughs> right. I remember being on Great Space Coaster. But... So maybe he <laughs> he ventured into voice acting as an alternative, and he found out he was good at it. So I mean, yeah, well, if you play Luke Skywalker, uh, the defining character of your generation, you might be typecast. Yeah. Absolutely. You're probably going to be typecast. And Ed Asner is Granny Goodness. I'm sorry, when I, I, Granny Goodness, I couldn't even have told you that Ed Asner was had no clue. the voice. So I didn't know that was a man. Uh, I mean, I knew it when I watched it, but like right now, I can't say that Ed Asner, Asner's voice is forever linked to Granny Goodness. No, Ed Asner is an actor. He did a good job, but it's sure. not like he blew me away. If anything, it was just like you said. I didn't realize that that was a man doing the voice. <laughs> He's great. So then we had another email from, this is the last email we got, uh, was from Thomas B. Uh, again, he said, Hi, Star Joes. On episode 95 at the 40-minute mark, Bill Ratner says there hasn't been a TV cartoon franchise that has had the quality 
of the directing, animation, and writing Transformers and G.I. Joe did. When I heard this, I was screaming into my iPhone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1987, 2003, 2012, the DC Animated Universe, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. If you have him on, can you get his opinion on TMNT, the DC Animated Universe, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra? I mean, honestly, he, he probably doesn't even watch that. Yeah. Well, and the, might, thing, the thing is, too, you're gonna you're on a panel celebrating you as a voice actor yeah. on a cartoon. Yeah. You're going to hype up the shows that you were yeah. on. Yeah, and, and he, he might be talking to or referring to the stuff that happened right after what he did, like the G.I. Joe stuff, where it went to, you know, receive the Deke stuff, and the animation was bad, and the voice acting wasn't right. as good as Crisp. I mean, that might be what he's referring to. Right. Again, I can't speak for him, but that's probably what he's referring to. Well, and also, I mean... Really, there hasn't been a franchise blow up other than probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's that has blown up like GI Joe and Transformers. I mean, that, that's a fact. There's, I can't think of anything in the ninety, maybe Power Rangers or something like that. But that wasn't voice acting. There wasn't necessarily really voice acting with that. I guess there was. But, yeah. But I mean, like a cartoon that like blew up that big. There hasn't been anything. Like I said, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles was but, really hot for a while. Yeah, but are you going to see 20 years from now someone doing a podcast on the Ben 10 franchise that they grew up with? You might. I don't know about that. <laughs> I've watched it. It's good. I mean, well, don't there's different wrong. incarnations of it, too. So. Yeah. Um, as far as Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, I've heard they're really good. The Legend I, of Korra is pretty good. Um, I've never watched it. I so. haven't watched The Last Airbender. I, I don't really care for it. I mean, I can't get into it. Um. I wouldn't say that either one of those are as big as G.I. Joe or no, they're Transformers. Not. They're not. They don't, I don't see them blowing up. Um, I'm not saying the voice acting is bad on them. It's probably very good, but you might even find that a lot of those voice actors that are doing some of those shows are the same voice actors that worked on G.I. Joe and Transformers <laughs> at one point or another. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree. There, there have been, but it wasn't a give-and-take session. The panel wasn't... Like, when he said that, it was kind of a rhetorical question. He wasn't actually asking for someone in the audience to say, give me an example of one that was better or as good as. So, um, I mean, when we have him on the show, I'll definitely get his opinion on some of these other ones. I don't mind asking him, like, you know, what what were your thoughts on voice acting when it came to some of these other shows? Because I definitely agree DC Animated Universe has some really great voice acting. I mean, it's weird when I don't hear Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah, when they, they got up somebody else to do it before, it, was yeah. kind of, it wasn't as good. I mean, because I was expecting him, but mm-hmm. it's not that it was bad. It's just different. Yeah, like I watched recently uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and yeah. it's a different voice actor than Kevin Conroy. It's good, but when I first heard it, it threw me off. It was a little off. And it would just be like getting someone to do the voice of Flint that wasn't Bill Ratner. Yeah. I mean, it would throw me off. If it, it's a little off, yeah. Uh, one other email we did get uh, was from John Callis from oh, Masters yeah. Cast, yeah. Uh, The Shadow. And he just sent out the information for uh, PowerCon 2013. Wanted to let us know it's a fan convention celebrating He-Man, She-Ra, Thundercats, and now the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you could look at it at www.thepower-con.com. Again, it's www.thepower-con.com. Uh, general admission tickets are $25 on Saturday, 15 on Sunday, two-day pass is 30 bucks. There's a power pr- pass pricing, it's like 100 bucks a person, and that includes two-day passes, early admittance to the show, priority line, 
I have more perks to be announced, and there's a roast Google dinner package when you can have dinner with the celebrities and the people. That's 350 uh, person for that. Um, and the dates on that are September 14th and 15th, uh, 2013 in Torrance, California. Cool. So, again, go to the power-con.com, and you can get all the information there. And much like past years, I would think, I can't guarantee it, but I would think as we get closer to the show, we'll probably have somebody on to talk about the convention itself. Yeah, and there's a, there's a like I said, the website here, it, it tells, you know, other people they have so far and who's coming and, you know, discounts on hotels and stuff like that. And so, so it's, it's pretty cool. Definitely, pretty it, at least if you're in the area, it's, I would, and... Oh, yeah, if you're in the Torrance, California area, it's definitely worth checking out, yeah. especially with the addition of Ninja Turtles. Yeah. They didn't have their own convention, which was, you know, kind of surprising to me. But, yeah. Because they've been around so long. Right. But it'll help grow that convention. We actually have a, a question from the forums uh, that we'll get to in a, in a minute uh, that kind of talks about, like, combining different franchises yeah. together. Thanks so. for all the emails, guys. Yeah. appreciate it. Uh, we, Sorry it took so long to get to them. Yeah. Uh, we did have a voicemail. It was from uh, Jason, so let me go ahead and play this. Hi, uh, Star Trek Podcast. This is Jason Reader calling me. I'm, I'm sending a request out there. I was wondering if you had, I was starting to listen to your uh, G.I. Joe commentary till I passed out and fell asleep. I'm trying to re-listen to it tonight. Um just wondering if you guys are going to do a commentary on G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, the 2009 film that the sequel is out to right now. I was just wondering. All right. uh, That would be awesome if you guys could do that. All right. Um, Thank If you guys do that, then thank you. I am in your depth. Okay. And other than that, and have a... Hope to hear from you guys soon, maybe. Bye. All right. So that was from Jason. Yeah, it's definitely in the plans. I mean, I know we both want to do it. And we talked about doing it. We had plans to do it a couple of times, and it kind of fell through. So yeah. sorry about that. I can definitely say the next movie commentary we do is going to be Rise of Cobra. Uh, I, shit. <laughs> I gotta watch it again. Um, I don't know when we're going to do our next movie commentary, but we've had a lot of requests for that one. That's definitely going to be our next movie yeah, commentary it's, it's we do. on the top of the stack. So uh, you don't have to be in our debt. In fact, you don't want to be in debt to Chuck at all, ever. It's not a good idea. Yeah, it's probably bad. <laughs> but... Um, I collect. <laughs> so. so hopefully uh, hopefully you'll get your wish soon and uh, you'll enjoy it. And uh, hopefully you won't fall asleep during it. I might. <laughs> Uh, we did have a couple questions on the forums, which we've had some new uh, new listeners show up, which is really yeah, cool. Hey, so. thanks! It's still interactive. It's still fun. Yeah, we've had twelve thousand posts since we started about less than a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's crazy. So come and join the fun. Yeah, join our forum. <laughs> All right. So uh, Warden Forty Three TK said, "Dear Holocron, my question is a simple one. After seeming." Some uh, seeming, I think you meant seeing, some of the new initiatives coming out of WonderCon from Dark Horse. My question is, how long do you think Dark Horse will retain the Star Wars uh, intellectual property? With the Disney acquisition of the Star Wars IP, it seems like only a matter of time before Mickey becomes one with the Force. Thanks. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know when their contracts run out. I really haven't been keeping up with it when Marvel's taken over, right? Yeah, I don't either. Um, I would say they're going to crank out as much as possible just to capitalize on the license. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, I, it makes sense for Marvel to take over, but at the same time, like, they were going to get rid of LucasArts, the gaming company, and then they end up contracting it because of some of the backlash. I, I think it was some because of some of the backlash, so they contracted it out again that... There's still going to be a LucasArts working on the Star Wars stuff. Could they possibly contract it back out to Dark Horse again for like another year or two? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do. I I think you're going to see 2014 is when it's going to run out. Because they're going to want to start getting stuff prepped for the movie, the new movie coming out. Yeah. So I, I, I would venture to guess that this is potentially the last year we're going to see with Dark Horse having... I mean, it. they had a good run. I mean, there's oh, good yeah. stuff out there. 20-plus years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, when Star Wars comics first came out, they were under the Marvel banner. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's so it's just, it's just going home again. It's going home. Um, so, I I mean, I think what's going to end up happening is, uh, like I said, I think this is probably going to be the last year we're going to see of new stuff coming out, and then you'll see it run run its course through two thousand four part of 2014. And then right near the beginning of 2015 or the end of 2014 is when you're going to hear that Marvel is putting stuff out. I think there's a chance I think we're going to hear something at San Diego Con this year. Yeah, maybe. They might, Dark Horse might make an announcement or Marvel might make an announcement. Yeah, I think Marvel would Marvel more so, that. yeah. But right now I'm enjoying the Dark Horse stuff overall, so, I mean, just let it keep coming. There's... We're probably going to do at some point, maybe once it's announced that it's leaving Dark Horse, we might do a whole Dark Horse Marvel retrospect episode where we just kind of talk about the stuff that's come out from Dark Horse. And uh, I know Craig from Fooshcast said he'd love to come on for that episode. So we might have him maybe have uh, Grub, Eric Grubb, come on because I know he's a big Star Wars fan. And oh, yeah, I, sure, I think he's yeah. read some of the EU stuff, if not all of it. Yeah. So we might just have like a panel of people to talk about as we go through some of the books, like which ones stood out to people and which ones do they really enjoy and just kind of do a 20 plus years of Dark Horse. Who knows? Sounds good. Um, so then we had uh, Dear Holocron. This was uh, also from uh, Warden 43TK. He said, the question I have for you in regards to major comic events is, do you prefer to read them in a standalone miniseries or multiple titles to cross over to make a larger story? What made me think of this question is that DC is doing the Trinity War uh, event, which will cross into Justice League, Justice League of America, and Justice League Dark. To connect back to the Star Joes universe, they have done this with multiple arcs of G.I. Joe comics in the past, example, Cobra Civil War and Cobra Command, to name two, my observations are that when the G.I. Joe universe did their crossover issues, each title could be read standalone for the most part. That's what I did. Uh, so I feel that when DC or Marvel does something similar, you have to almost certainly read all of the individual books because you will be extremely lost if you didn't read the entire crossover. Just my thoughts, and would love to hear your guys uh, what you guys think. So... Do you like, when they're doing an event, do you like it to be a completely separate miniseries, or do you like it to actually just be in the titles of the books that are out there? I mean, as a, as a fan, I, I like it to be all-encompassing in the all-one universe, but my wallet likes it to be in one book. <laughs> um, in case you're not buying all the books. I mean, I was getting them all anyway, so it's like they kind of kept everything... Yeah, you know, one continuity like one universe. To give you I an guess. example of what you have coming up, which is different from me, we had the Trinity War coming out. 
and you only get Justice League. Yeah. You don't get Justice League of America, and you don't get Justice League Dark. No. Um, but Trinity War is going to crossover. be crossing over into those titles. That's where the story is going to be. There's not going to be a Trinity War comic miniseries. Yeah. So something like that is it? Do you prefer that it be a separate miniseries? Yeah, if I'm only buying the one book, I probably would because I don't want to be forced to buy other books to go along with right. it. But if I was buying them anyway, it keeps it keeps uh, the universe a little bit. I don't know the right word to say like. It kind of shows that cohesion. Yeah, cohesion. That's a good one. Um, it, everything's brought together. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's really what it comes down to for most people. Like, they're like, well, if I'm already getting the books, I don't care. Yeah. But if I'm not getting the books, I, I don't, don't like them. I don't want to be forced to buy them. So I think at the end of the day, what we're saying is it kind of it, it really depends on your preferences. I think most people would want a standalone miniseries. If they're not already getting the books. Right. Like, they'd rather it be completely separate with maybe their books being tie-ins to the miniseries. Which I think works out a lot better overall. Like, if you have a completely separate miniseries for the event and your book is tied into it, a lot of times those tie-in issues are not critical to read. Crucial to Yeah. Um, well, it's like Marvel now with the Age of Ultron. It's it's, yeah. its own little book. Yeah. You don't have to read anything else, but if you want to read the other stuff, you can. Yeah. Um, I guess I like it like that. Yeah. Now, when I'm not buying everything, the thing I don't like is I don't like if you're going to do it either way, especially with the miniseries. I don't like when they pretend like nothing happened in the other books. Yeah. So in other words, when this Trinity War ends, I expect there to be ramifications, repercussions in all the books. all the because it's the universe. whole DC universe, right? Like, right. Like you said, it's encompassing the whole universe, so it's right. gonna you're gonna feel the shockwaves and ripples throughout the whole universe. Right. It might not be as great. In one book, but it's going to be felt. Yeah. So, like, like maybe it might not affect Jonah Hex because that's in the past. Right. Well, soon to not be yeah, in the past. Booster yeah, right. <laughs> um, Gold and all this shit. Yeah, which was cool. And that's the type of stuff I do like is, you know, we had Booster Gold disappear in Justice League International. Where did he appear? He appeared in the past with Jonah Hex. Yeah. So I kind of like that. He Same thing. appear in his own fucking book. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I would like that too. But, like, if you have, let's say, Batman's in this whole just, you know, going on with this whole Trinity War thing, well, then I kind of would like at least to hear some type of mention of the stuff that affected him in the Trinity War happening in the Batman book. It doesn't have to be a direct tie-in or anything else, but, like, once the Trinity War's over and there were repercussions, you know, just a comment or a suggestion in the actual Batman book of what just happened. Or something in the Batcave to remind him of it, like the right. big dinosaur or the penny or yeah. something. Yeah, something. Like, this is my memento from the Trinity War. Yeah. So. Um, so, question... Or severed skull or something. <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey. So, uh, question from Sandman. He says, since you'll be talking about Joe Con in your next episode, I wanted to... Maybe. <laughs> I wanted to give you something to think about. Some of the bigger 80s properties have gone have their own individual conventions. There's Joe Con, Bot Con, Power Con, and Thunder Con. Would you rather each stay as separate cons, or would you like to see all four of these merge into one convention, and then also bring in even more of the other 80s cartoons and toy properties? I think with something like BotCon and JoeCon, they're big enough to have their own separate individual con. Whereas something like PowerCon, since those other franchises, He-Man and Thundercats and now Ninja Turtles, are kind of smaller in Mm -hmm. numbers-wise, that's why they brought them all together. Yeah, I am almost not totally opposite from you, but I I, kind of like the idea of, like, let's make this 
I mean, it's almost like a Star Joe's con, but like, an 80s con. I want an 80s con, like 80s property con, where let's bring all of these things Transformers, G.I. Joe, Visionaries, Thundercats, He Man, put it all in one, make it almost. I mean, if you did that, it, it, could, it could almost be as big as New York con or C2E2. I don't yeah, want to say as big as San Diego, but it could really be like a C2E2 size con. If you really put the effort into it, I mean, you have tons of artists that would that can contribute. You have tons of creators. You have tons of voice actors that could show up. Movie actors that can show up. You could really make it a big spectacle. Yeah, but then I mean, you're. I I, I guess I'm not saying take away JoeCon and BotCon, yeah. but we've already witnessed it with JoeCon. JoeCon isn't all encompassing of Joe. So if you did like an '80s con, uh, you know, of '80s. I mean, properties. all the things are there for Joe. I mean, it, the panels are geared toward Joe, and the presentations sure. geared toward Joe, and the T-shirts and the sets are geared toward yeah. Joe. But the vendors were—they had other things to sell. Right. I mean, that's the only thing that was different. I mean, everything else was geared toward GI Joe. Right. It's just the vendors brought other things to sell, and we talked to one of our vendor friends, Aaron from Roma Collectibles, and there was a. Um, a memo that was sent to those guys who vend that you're not supposed to have any more than like 10% of something else or 20% of something right. else. Everything else had to be G.I. Joe, but there were some people there bending that rule a yeah. bit. So. And I just I just think for vendors, for panels, for everything, you could really branch out. I mean, you could do like an obscure 80s panel and like bring people that worked on things like, like I said, visionaries, sectars, things like that. Put them all in one panel. I mean, a lot of those guys they they did multiple things. Right, so you're you know the same guys. Yeah, stuff, so, so it, I, I just think it could be fun to try. And like I said, I think it could end up being way bigger than uh, than some of these other conventions are. I don't see why you couldn't just do something like that at a a toy show and just get a couple of voice actors or right. you know a couple of sketch artists or because you already got most of the people there selling the toys now or stuff that we yeah. like and it's all encompassing. Yeah, or at a you know. Like you said, a C two E two or a New York Comic Con, right? They probably have, you know, hey, come meet the guy who voiced Uncle Scrooge or yeah. something like that. I mean, but I mean, you have stuff like, I mean, PowerCon is really becoming almost what the, what we're talking about. With you got yeah. PowerCon, ThunderCon, and Turtles it's, all together. It's growing every year, and I, I mean, it sounds great. I listen to the podcasts and stuff like that. They talk about it, and I really would like to go. It's just yeah. California is kind like, of unrealistic for me right now. But it's like, when when does that become just Something, maybe that's his, something else. Maybe that's his vision. I mean, maybe it was his vision, Val yeah. Staples' yeah. vision short-term was just to have a He-Man show. I mean, right. and he put Thundercats in it because maybe he didn't think Masters was big enough to have its own show. But, I mean, they, they grew to add Turtles. I mean, who say they, they won't grow to have Mask in there? Right. You know, another big property. Who knows? Right. I mean, and it, and it could eventually turn into something that's just not called PowerCon anymore. Or maybe it'll still be called PowerCon. Maybe it's uh, yeah. just called PowerCon because Power... To me, doesn't say just He Man. It doesn't. I mean, I mean, it's like the power sword for mm-hmm. He Man. I have the power. Ninja Turtles go turtle power. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, you got Thundercats with the sword of omens. It's got its own power. You've got Mask with the vehicles. That that's a form of power. Illusion is the power. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you could still <laughs> just call it PowerCon, but start bringing some of these other yeah. things. I mean, in. you're never going to encompass like I think. 
G.I. Joe Transformers and Star Wars all together. Except no. at a toy show or at a no. Comic-Con. Well, and Celebration's big enough of, of its own. Celebration is the biggest. Sometimes that's even bigger than some of the cons. Yeah, it's way bigger than Joe Con. Oh, yeah, it's the biggest <laughs> one. Yeah. Con's bigger than Joe Con. We've heard people say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's... Probably San Diego, and then... So I guess what we're saying, you're never going to find a Star Joe's Con. <laughs> Unless Val's running it, but I, but, mean, I digress. But... It's called PowerCon. But you might get a PowerCon that covers a lot of the lot more of these yeah. 80s franchises. I mean, it's good, too, to keep everything individual, like BotCon individual. Right. Maybe somebody just does Transformers, and that's it. They right. don't want you know the mess of everything else there. Right. They like it nice and simple and organized. And, I mean, you got to respect that. I mean, and at the end of the day, if you want something that covers all of these 80s properties... You're listening to it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get to all these things. I know we keep making that promise, but you know, we keep getting more stuff that we can cover for you guys that you guys are enjoying. But I mean, we're going to get to the Centurions. We're going to get to the Sectars. We're going to get... need a Sectar correspondent. <laughs> Centurion correspondent. We're going to get to all these '80s properties. You know, Silverhawks and things like that. We're definitely going to need a Silverhawks correspondent. <laughs> so, so we're going to get to those things, and and we're going to be able to touch on those things, like even with the podcast. Uh, kind of spin-off episodes I'm doing with Robert, you know, we're, that you guys just heard recently. You know, Robert and I are going to jump into some of these obscure '80s cartoons. You know, if we both have access to the DVD, you know, DVDs or the episodes, we're going to jump into some of these ones that maybe Chuck and I haven't gotten to yet, and, and things like that. Not saying Chuck and I won't also touch on those on, from the comic side of it, but you know, this is this is the show to find all of those properties. So. Yeah. And we'll talk about any one of them. If you send us an email or put a comment on the forums questioning about a certain property and our thoughts about it, we'll we'll talk about it. So, Yeah, a good place for a discussion like that has always been the forums. Yeah, right? so. we talk about so many different topics on the forums. So. Grubzilla. That's the comicforums.com. Forum yeah, for Forumforgeeks.com. Yeah, it was the comic. It was the yeah. comic forums. So. Forumforgeeks.com. Yep. Uh, so Grub, uh, our buddy Grub had a couple questions or a couple statements as well. He says, what do you guys think about the term true fan? He said, I mean, like when someone is talking about say star Wars and they say something like only true fans will really understand or something along those lines. This has always been a pet peeve of mine to hear people in the fandom say, how do they determine what a true fan is? Curious to see what you guys come up with on that one. So what what do you think? Yeah, about that? I mean, I, honestly, personally, myself, I don't like to hear true fans because you could be a fan of anything. It just mm-hmm. my fandom might not be as big as yours. It might not right. be all encompassing. But I think what other people say, you're not a true fan, is you're not as much of a fan as I am. Yeah, that's, which is when it's getting that whole snobby elitist bullcrap yeah, that's then you're out kind there. Of splitting hairs. I mean, how do you know that I don't love it as much as you do? Right. Just because I don't, you know, cosplay it or I don't have tattoos of it or I don't you right. know make it my entire life right yeah and that's on the a, outside you probably look like a bigger fan but on the inside I mean right. how do you who's to say I don't love it as much as you yeah I mean we we joke with each other and I use it as a joke saying well you're not a true fan well you but, hate the masters that's no <laughs> and that's the thing it's like I'm I was just gonna use it as an example like it's not a joke I'm a fan of true. I'm a fan of Masters of the universe I support yes I am shit like that yeah and that's the thing I use it as a joke for that exact thing like I'll turn to you and say well you're not a true fan of Star Wars and oh, you're fun, son of a but <laughs> but 
that mean it, I don't mean it as a I would never use it as an elitist term. It's not a it's not derogatory like yeah, yeah or yeah, elitist as a good yeah. Term too, yeah. Um now here's where I have a problem and it kind of goes into his other comments and everything is I do have a problem when I see somebody wearing let's say a Star Wars shirt and I'm like, "Oh, you like Star Wars?" and they're like, "Oh, no, I just got this, you know, at a uh swap meet store." But like and I'm like Okay, so why are you wearing it? Like, well, I mean, it's their right to wear whatever they want. Sure, I mean, people wear Budweiser t-shirts and don't drink. Sure, things. but that's obviously not a true fan. Like, they don't even know. Like, don't like. Or they bought the Superman shirt because they're going to a movie. Or yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're not really a, true a fan. fan. You know what? Hey, they bought the shirt. <laughs> yeah, putting money in their pockets. So sure, whatever. but you can honestly say that person's not a true fan because you go, oh, do you like Star Wars? And they go, oh no. And it's like, okay, then obviously you're not a fan at all. And that's the only the only time I would ever say someone is not a true fan is when they say they don't like it, but they just they had the shirt laying around or something like that. But yeah, um, or like the guys that wear the Superman got the Superman tattoo and they don't even know anything about Superman. <laughs> like they were drunk. They get, well, no, some people get it because it's a sign of strength or whatever like that. Oh, and man. it's like I'm a tough guy, so I got the Superman tattoo. And well, where you are a tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm thinking about doing one. Like <laughs> and then I will, sh- then I will shoot you and see if you're bulletproof. But um, but I mean, yeah, if you're a fan, you're a fan. The, the degree of fandom differs from everybody. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan, but there's people out there that are way bigger fa- Star Wars fans than I am, and know way more about Star Wars. And those people might turn to me and say, "Well, you're not a true fan because you didn't, you know." Re- yeah, wrap you your life you, around it. Yeah, you don't know the third stormtrooper on the left. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I do a Star Wars podcast. I, <laughs> I, I consider myself a true fan if, just from doing that. Sure. But, uh, yeah. So his other comment was uh, the bringing, uh, we brought up on, on the forums, uh, Olivia Munn, who he has a real problem with. Oh, she's hot. I have no problem with her, but <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> But he says, the bringing up of Olivia Munn made me think about geek bait. He said, basically attractive women that dress up in cosplay, generally scantily clad, and know almost nothing about who they may be dressed as other than the costume is sexy. I'm not talking paid models. I'm talking girls who just show up so people can give them attention. You also see this a lot in gamer circles where you get good-looking women on the screen talking about tactics and the like who are just reading a script about... Uh, script and no squat about it in reality. How do you feel about it? The idea of geek bait drives me insane. I fully understand why it's done and I just hate it. There are plenty of attractive women who cosplay or play games that know way more than I do about characters and series and more power to them. A real geek dressed up will always be more appealing to me than the girls who just want people to notice her. Who does it hurt? Yeah, well, and to me, that contradicts what he was saying about true fan. Yeah, who does it hurt? Right. If you got an attractive woman like Olivia Munn who's on TV, obviously she's got some talent who's on TV. Right. Who does it hurt? Well, She doesn't really and, like it all that much, but she puts on a really tight, you know, Star and, Wars t-shirt. And who's grub, And to, to his other point, who's grub to say that she's not a fan? Eh. She might be a fan, or she might have become a fan because she got involved with it. Like, are you calling a grub? Are you calling Olivia Munn not a true fan? Is that what you're saying? Maybe he's talking about the the, the model girls who come and cosplay because the convention pays them to. Well, and he said it's not. He's not talking about paid models that are brought in. He's talking about the the ones that show up 
cosplaying just because they think it's a sexy outfit. I mean, there are people out there who just want attention. Yeah. So they're attention whores, and they'll do what it takes to get attention. To me, if you're... And those promiscuous girls need loving, too. (laughs) (laughs) To me, if you're showing up... Let's say you're showing up at a convention, and you're showing up dressed up as a character, I think you are got to be somewhat of a fan. You did some kind of research to find out what they look like. Right. Uh, Like, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't really have a problem with it. Um... Do I like it better? Do I think it's hotter when a girl knows her geeky stuff plus is dressed up hot? Sure. Because you've got the mind and the body. Um, Does it bother me when you have someone that's being the reporter for geek culture that doesn't know anything? She's just a pretty face? Yeah, that bothers me. Because you're not getting the intellectual side of that. That's what you want is the intellectual side of that. It's kind of like you you see the the female um, reporters on the sidelines at the football games. Like, there's some of them that know what they're talking about. And there's some of them you could tell have absolutely no idea what the hell they're talking about. And I don't mind the ones that are on the sidelines that, like, know the statistics. They know the players. They they know football and everything else. Sure. And you can tell. And you can tell the same thing with geek culture where they're going to slip up and say something stupid if they don't know geek culture. And those ones do bother me because I'm like, they shouldn't just be putting a pretty face up there that doesn't know anything of what they're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, as far as someone just dressing up sexy because they want to look sexy and they decide to pick a geeky thing, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, maybe it's like, you know, somebody's friend of a friend who comes over, their cousin who's there, and everybody's going to go to, you know, the Comic-Con or the Kiss concert. Yeah. And everybody else is dressing up, so you kind of feel like an outsider if you don't. Don't, right. So they, they put a little makeup on and they go to the con and they have fun with it. I mean... It doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. So. Well, and the thing is, too, is like, if let's say you go dressed up as Psylocke from the X-Men, which is a very sexy outfit. You had to pick that character for a reason. You like, yeah. It's like, well, I kind of look like her, so you obviously know what she looks like. You know, so well, maybe they said like, hey, you guys know comic people. Who could I be? Who's sexy? I'm like, hey, you kind of look like this. Go right. this. Well, let me see a picture of it. Yeah, that's okay. You had to agree to do it. I mean, right. nobody's forcing you against your will to do this. Right. But like I said, to me, it goes back to his other comment, which is he's saying he hates the statement of a true fan. Well, who are you to say that this person's not a fan? You know, maybe Olivia Munn is a fan of, or maybe this is how they they start being a fan. Start being a fan, it. sure, so, exactly. You know, so. who knows? And and again, uh, hot chicks at cons are a plus. So I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not ever going to poo poo that there. Uh, so. um, speaking of grub, I wanted to mention a couple podcasts that are out there that you and I both had a chance to listen to at least to one of them. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Grub. Yeah, yet. Grubs is like I hate cosplay chicks. <laughs> no, <laughs> Grubs is called the Awesome Movie Podcast, and you can find it at grubzilla.podbean.com. So it's G R U B B Z I L L A dot podbean p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com um you can also just type in in like google the awesome movie podcast and you'll find it right away it's the first one that pops up uh you can also find it on itunes uh just by looking up that way yeah it's a, it's a free download yeah and i've listened to their coverage of poltergeist which i don't agree with their statements on it that was a scary fucking movie. Most of them didn't care for it, rewatching it. I don't care. That, I, that movie is good, and it's scary, I agree. and I love it. I do, too. Yeah, you gentlemen are wrong. <laughs> um, one of them liked it, still. but uh, And then I also listened to their coverage of Raiders of the Lost Ark, because I'm a huge fan of, Indi- of Indiana Jones. I like Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark is not my favorite Indiana Jones movie. It's my favorite. Temple of Doom, not Temple of Doom, but um, Last Crusade. Right. That's my favorite. That's my second favorite. 
Um, but I, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, just the, the I, original. I absolutely love it. So it's it's good for what it is. It introduces yeah. the character, and believe me, it's good. Yeah, it's probably my second favorite. Yeah. But Last Crusade. Now you call him Doctor Jones. <laughs> I really don't care that much for Temple of Doom. I really don't. See, I like Temple of Doom. Also, I like all three movies. I'm fine with all three of them. So. Not Crystal Skull. Mm, there, that one doesn't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> not in my world. Is that your Cobra Law? That's my Cobra Law. I get it. So it, it's very much like uh, it's more along the lines, maybe a little bit more structured than DC Noise, where it's just like four guys, three, four guys sitting around talking about the movie. There's some little bit more structure than DC Noise, where it's just total random uh, tangents. But they, you know, they t- bring up some trivia, of, uh, background about the movie and everything else, and they just kind of go into the movie and they go off on tangents sometimes, which are always fun. So it it's a fun podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I also want to. They did a uh, episode on aliens, and I want to listen to that one. They did an episode on Top Gun, and I want to listen to that one also. So it's definitely going to be one of those uh, podcasts that I pick and choose which ones I listen to because certain movies, because certain movies I like that I'm going to want to listen to. So Um, then there was uh, from the forum Brian 1978J. He has a a new podcast called Pop Culture Leftovers. I actually like that one. Yeah, so I listened to one episode so far. I definitely plan on listening to more. I, I've subscribed to it. I know you've subscribed to it. Yeah, I've, I've downloaded and listened to the first one, and I've downloaded all of them. I just haven't listened to them yet. Yeah. But it's, it's really good. Um, uh, it's a lot more... value is really good on it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot more of a Polish. polished yeah. uh, podcast, especially for it being a new one. It's it, it's very polished, which is good. The um, song is really good, so yeah. hit us up whoever did that song because yeah. it's really good, or Brian let us know. Yeah, they did a, an intro song, I'm assuming for the show, and it, it was done really, really well. I'd love to have one for, we need for one. us. Sure. We're just stealing <laughs> shit right now. So. Until we get that cease and desist, we need a, we need a song. And, and it fits what I'm looking for. Like His and Grubs kind of fit it's both like types of shows I like. Crackle-ish. Yeah, yeah, very much. The, the intro song, yeah. Um, but his uh, Brian show and Grub show both hit the type of shows I like, and I like having a mix where I have a very polished show that has a very structured, and I have a show that's very just freeform. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, um, and I feel like our show is kind of somewhere between those two. Yeah, sometimes like, we're polished, and sometimes <laughs> we polish a turd. So uh, that's all the feedback I have. So uh, that was a lot, <laughs> but. Yeah. We're now caught up on, on listener feedback. So awesome. Wanna get into some issues? We may as well. Or you want to call it a day. Yeah, I <laughs> All right, oh, you said you brought a, a figure. You want to do that first? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, we haven't done that in a while. We'll get into uh, get, get into our Kung Fu Grip. Kung Fu Grip. Alright, so the figure I brought was one I got just recently. It's uh, the Joe Colton figure. We were just speaking about him not too long ago. The Bruce Willis Joe Colton figure for the movie. And uh, yeah, I have this. I haven't opened it yet. Though. I got this courtesy of John from our good buddy John Thurman. John Thurman from forums and and become a very good friend of ours. He found one. He asked me if I still needed one. I said yes. So uh, he sent this along to me and. Uh, I did open them up. It's typical, you know, three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe figure of modern day. Uh, very good sculpt of the face. 
especially. Uh, it looks just like Bruce Willis in, in a lot of respects. I mean, for that size, as close as you can get. His eyes look a little, the paint on his eyes look a little wonky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. For a three and three quarter inch figure, it's not too bad. Uh, he comes with a uh, six shooter, like he had in the movie. Yeah, revolver. Yeah. Yep. And then he comes with a standard, like, magazine pistol. And he comes with a, I believe, like a shotgun looking yeah. type gun as well. And then he comes with this big behemoth <laughs> missile launcher. It's the accessory for the kids. Right. Yeah, this is definitely the accessory for the kids where you got like a little zip line thing so that you can actually shoot out the, the missile yeah. just by pulling on it. It actually turns and, yeah. Um, now the figure itself does come with like a harness. Yep. For like a gun and stuff. And I noticed his wrists are articulated in a different way. Um, and the one wrist that he has, his right arm, it actually has a little, little I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it has a little stress crack. Oh, wow. No. From the way it's articulated. Wow. It's so you have um, to be careful with that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the paint looks pretty good on except for the eyes. I mean, but I mean, that's just, you know. Quality control. Yeah. Well, and speaking of art- articulation, too, like, when we're dealing with these smaller figures, that's one of the things I have a little bit of a problem with is that when they're over-articulated. Like, when you deal with a six-inch figure, I think you can do a lot more articulation. You can get away with a little bit more, sure. But, but when you're dealing with the... ankles, and it's got the double knee, and... Yeah. Like, I, I like the double knee. I like the elbow. Um, you know, obviously the shoulder and everything else. But, personally, I don't really need the wrist... Yeah, articulation. They, they flex. Yeah. Um, it's not a plug-in wrist, I guess, which is good because of the plug-in. They could pop their hands off, I know. Right. My son has a couple of figures like that where his hands kind of pop off the Star Wars figures right. and stuff. But I mean, that might not be the answer either if there's causing stress fractures right. in the hand. Um, the He's got like a red, white, and blue little armband or yeah. wrist, wristband on him. Some of those lift strong bands or something. Yeah, like and, and then he's got a black one on his, on his right hand. Um, the harness is weird to me also because there's a little holster thing in But it's got a sculpted But it's already got a sculpted yeah. gun in it. So I don't understand the purpose of the holster at all, especially since he comes with a little pistol. You could have left that holster open, open and yeah. so you could put the pistol in there. And there's no holster on his like thigh or anything like that for yeah. the gun. Personally for me as a collector, I would have rather than having this big behemoth missile launcher thing, I would have rather had a figure stand. Yeah. But Again, this was made for the kids. It's made for the kids, yeah. Um, which is also the problem I have with so much articulation, like you said, a stress fracture and everything else, is that the figure isn't as playable because it seems like it could break a lot easier. So Yeah. Um, so it's got a mixture of stuff for the collector and stuff for the kids. Accessory-wise, uh, sure. Which is not I mean, the if you ideal. get a kid, two of those guns are going to get lost easy. You're going to yeah. put that big one and that big behemoth monster gun. Right. I think that actually comes apart. It does. Does it? There's yeah. like a little, uh, like a grenade launcher gun, molded gun. Yeah, uh, that's probably a little bit It's better. a completely different color and, and, and everything. I don't so. know if it fit in his hand. It's so big, though. It, it, Maybe. If you could probably force it in there. Yeah. Um, but it, it attaches to the missile launcher. I wonder if this would attach to one of the vehicles or something. So. I think with, like with this, as with many other toys, they need to focus on: Are they making it for a collector? Or are they making it for a kid? I think they want to do it for both and capitalize on and, whoever the hell will buy it. And I think you run into problems when you try to cap- capitalize for both because, again, you're not going to please everybody. And again, right now, GI Joe's not big enough to have its own special, right? You know, 
hey, we're going to make a collector's line and then we're going to make a kid line like Star Wars is. They're just not big enough right yeah. now to do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use this figure for my diehard diorama that I'm putting together. Your diehard diorama. <laughs> well, you could get like diehard three. I guess you could get a Samuel Jackson figure. Yeah, there you go. And you got both of them right there. <laughs> so. He's gonna look like Nick fucking Fury, but whatever. <laughs> he so, have a patch. Right. I don't remember having a patch in the movie, but so. but I, I mean overall, it's a good figure. Uh, I like the sculpting on him. Uh, the waist is a little. Not the waist, but the mid chest is a little off. Yeah, I mean, I, for for the only Bruce Willis figure that I've got, three and three quarter inch, and for him looking the way he did in the movie, I mean, it's yeah. I don't think it's all that. I I don't really need I don't need the mid cut uh, articulation. Because the suspenders look kind of weird. Yeah, the suspenders look weird, and and my Joe figures in the past never had that mid articulation. So yeah. just give me some waist articulation, like you did with the O rings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just even if it just turned left and right, that would be a lot cooler than this than this thing. <laughs> so yeah. um, overall, though, like I said, I like it. it. It's I have him standing up at, on my desk at home, and he stands fine on his own. Yeah, so. for display purposes, it's going to be okay. It's just but, I don't know. Out of a, out of a possible five, I would probably give it a two. I'd give it like a three. It's like an average figure. It's not. I wouldn't give it below average. I'd just give it like an average average figure. Yeah. Um, there's things I like about it. There's things I don't like about it. So right, but so that it's not a it's not a knock out of the park. That's no, no, not at all. But since with the movie coming out recently, I know he's a tough figure to find. Yeah. Uh, so I thought I'd bring him over so we can kind of talk about. Speaking of that. tough things to find, I did go to uh, Big Fun, our local toy sh- store in Cleveland. It's like a vintage toy store, and I found a couple of uh, Kenner 1983 coloring books: uh, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. Nice. Unused, uncolored, brand new, three fifty a piece. Yeah, and they look amazing. Like they're in ex- absolutely excellent condition. So yeah, the guy he said he bought uh, one an auction or something like that, and inside one of the boxes was like just a box full of old coloring books. Yeah, I mean the art is really well done on the inside. None of these are colored in. It's like a brand new one you buy right off the shelf. Like yeah, nineteen eighty three. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. One cover has, you know, Snipe Stoodles in the band. Yep. And it's got, uh, you know, well, I guess Max Rebo's here and uh, Lando and Salacious Crumb. And yep. the other one's got Luke and Jedi. Yeah. Where he's on the skip. It's all Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, different and scenes. Both books are from the same movie in the same year, but the pictures inside, the coloring pages are different, which yep. I like. It's not the same book, just different covers. Right. Now there are a couple of pages inside that are duplicated in each book I went through. Sure, but for the most part, they're their own individual book, and it and, does tell the story of Return of the Jedi through the coloring pages. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting too is like from books back then, like someone might look at these and say that the pages have yellowed a little bit, but I actually think that this was, this the, was the color, color yeah. of the pages back then. I don't think that they've yellowed at all. It's like it's crazy how good a condition they are in. It's yeah. as if you picked them up off the shelf today. Yeah, and I mean for three fifty right now, I don't know if you guys buy coloring books and stuff like that or have kids, but that's kind of where an average coloring book is now, yeah. if not a little bit less. I mean, yeah, and it's a good size coloring book. It's probably like you know, thirty five, forty pages. Yeah, absolutely. it's not a small one by any stretch of imagination, but it's not a great big, huge one either. So yeah, sometimes those big, huge coloring books like that are like ten, twelve bucks. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's get into some some issues here. Uh, get caught up. Uh, we'll go into our Springfield Tatooine. The Transformers will return after these messages. 
to Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. I also have a few supplemental episodes and an interview with Stan Bush. So check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming rollout. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. And we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding. Kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. And we... Okay, seriously. This is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good. No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. From Springfield to All right, Chuck, we got a lot of issues to get through here. Some were good, some were bad. Let's move on. Yeah, so <laughs> so uh, we're not going to do a whole lot of summary because some of these issues I read a long time ago. I don't remember what happened in some of them. Yeah, this will be a five-hour show and no one would listen. Right, so we'll probably hit on some of the things in the issues that we liked or didn't like and, and whatnot, but... Uh, uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, first one I have on the top of the stack here is uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, D- Defenders of the Lost Temple. This was the de- digest size one. Yeah, I, I gave that a borrow. I gave it a borrow also. Um, I, I give it a high borrow. I think it could have been better or it would have been a buy if it, the art wasn't so cartoony. It's very toony and it's very much not... I guess I wouldn't let, let a kid read that one. Yeah, and that's... It's, it's very brutal. It is, it's, and that's why I think the art needed to not be so cartoony, because it's a very serious story. It's, yeah, the art's for kids, but the... The, the story's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of death that happens. It's a cool story with this character, Glitch, who's a trooper that kind of thinks he's a Jedi, or thinks he can touch, tap into the Force. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's a seven ninety nine digest size, so yeah. that's my problem with that already. So. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the story. I love the trooper-type stories and everything else. And oh, yeah, Mandal- I love the clones. Sure. The Mandalorians show up and yeah. everything else. So 
for that reason, I really liked it. Uh, but I just think the art should have been a different art style to maybe, or really, I think the story should this story should have been like a, a separate one shot, yeah. not tied into the Clone Wars. I agree. So, all right, uh, getting into some a couple free comic book day issues that came out. We have uh, the Star Wars one with Brian Wood. Um, oh, that, that's a buy or a take it, buy it, pick grab it up. It, grab it. Hopefully, you picked it up. Yeah, that's a grab. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I really liked the story. I liked it a lot better than I thought I would, especially with it being such a short story in here. Yeah, um, we have Darth Vader showing up on a. He, he's expecting Boba Fett to yeah, arrive. Boba Fett, Vader. You got the stormtroopers. So yeah. you classic characters. It's a great story. He, he thinks he's supposed to be welcoming Boba Fett for a mission, and here he finds out that one of the admirals on the ship is actually setting up Vader to be taken out to be killed. Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett is just a pawn in the whole game. He's not even the one sent to kill Vader. Yeah, he just gets caught in the middle of it, and Vader at the very end kills the guy. Yeah. So it's a short and sweet story, but it's actually really well done. So. I didn't read any other stories in this free comic book day yet. I didn't either. There's uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I will read it. I'm not going to. (laughs) I will read that. And there was also, I believe, a Captain Midnight story, which I'll I'll read. They're both really short stories, so I don't mind reading them to check it out. The art looks really good for the Captain Midnight. You got the skull face guy and everything. So I will check that out, but I haven't read it yet. So. Then we had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles New Animated Adventures. This was the free comic book day issue also. Yeah, and that's my favorite one from free comic book day. Okay. Um, I won't say it's my favorite one from free comic book day, but I I really liked it. No, I really liked it. I would say if you you didn't pick this up and you didn't grab it and it's for sale on eBay, I would recommend buying it. It's that good. I would say yes if you are a fan of the animated series that's out there right now. If you don't like the animated series that's out there right now, you're not going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the because char- that's what it is. Yeah, the characters are written exactly with the same tone, the same joke type of jokes are in there. And they look the same. Yeah, the style of the storytelling is the yeah, same. Yeah, it's, it's basically a, a printed version of that cartoon. Yeah. Um, I would say to hold off, if I'm buying this on eBay, if until the first, the first issue, issue comes, comes out. out it could be the first issue. Because it could be the same thing, yeah. So... Um, and we'll be able to let you know if it is because Chuck, you're going to be getting it. Yeah. I so, uh, we'll, we'll, we might cover it on the show. Oh, we will. So, okay. All right. Then we had the secret history of the foot clan. Number four. This was the last issue of this. Oh, i uh, give that a borrow. Okay. Um, I gave it a, a buy, especially once I saw what happened in the later issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where, I kind of feel like you had to read this story in order to get a total grasp on what was happening in the regular Turtles book. Yeah, some of it does inter- intermingle a little yeah. bit. So. Um, I, I like the art, which I was kind of surprised because when I first flipped through it, at first I was like, ugh. Uh, but then the more I read it, the more I really latched onto this art style. I, I really liked it. Basically what we have here is we have uh, the Utram visit old Japan, uh, feudal Japan, and uh, we see that how the Shredder has survived all these years. Basically, he did die, but he died in a way that he could be resurrected, and his ancestor had to bring him back with her blood. So that's how the Shredder is back. So, And we had Voltron number 11. Snarf. Yes. I give it a high snarf, just, no, because, of the, just because of the end. 
I actually like over. <laughs> no, I actually like the interaction between Sven and Keith. I thought some of the dialogue there was pretty good between the two of them. I'm so far out of this series, it's pathetic. But yeah, and we've got one more. <laughs> uh, but uh, Keith goes and visits Sven on a farm and and uh, talks about a plan that he has in the works. And then at the very end, he shoots Sven, which it's. I mean, it's not really a great cliffhanger when you kind of know this is set up. Like, yeah. they talked about working a plan out, and then he shoots him. And Sven's not even shocked that he's pulling the gun out. Yeah. So, like, there should at least be some type of, like, what are you doing? What are you pull- Why yeah. are you pulling your gun out of me? Something to make me feel like that wasn't part of the plan. But it is, so... Star Wars Legacy number one. This is where we have uh, a new uh, Han Solo's uh, ancestor or descendant, yeah. I should say. Yeah, descendant. I gave that a borrow. I gave it a borrow also. Um, I liked it. It's not that I didn't like it, but there were certain elements of it that I thought was kind of weird. Like, why would a descendant of Solo be living on the streets? Uh, she doesn't reveal who she is uh, as being Anya solo until the very last page or almost the very last page but the cover says that this is the legacy of solo it's definitely set up um we do have some things that are interesting that that look interesting for the the next issue where we have uh a master val is uh trapped or held prisoner uh and i would assume he's going to escape uh very soon and become an integral part so there's things that I'm very interested in. Uh, if you read the Legacy series, Star Wars Legacy series that came out before that had uh, Cade Skywalker, I would say it's worth picking up because there are elements of that original Legacy series that play a factor in this one as well. Okay. So uh, there's reoccurring characters and things like that that pop up. Uh, then we had Dark Times, Star Wars Dark Times, number two and number three. I gave both of those a borrow. Okay. Um, I actually give them both a low buy. Mm-hmm. I, I like them a lot. I like the story. I like the Kakruk character. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's just not something I would I would buy if I'm buying a Star Wars book because I'm really enjoying the main Star Wars. Yeah. So um, I like the fact that there's on this planet that they're basically killing any refugees that are showing up there, and Vader doesn't seem to know about it, mm-hmm. and they want to keep the Empire out of it. Uh, I like you know, that there's one of the younglings is kind of starting to turn towards the dark side a little bit because she's getting angry very easily. Um, we have another, we have a blind Jedi who's kind of helping the kids. Um, there's, there's a lot of action going on. There's, I'm very interested to see where this, where this whole story goes. So two and three, I both, I both of them, I would give a, uh, I borrow two. So I say they're worth checking out if you have the opportunity to. Um, getting into some other Star Wars here, we have the ongoing series of Star Wars, uh, number four and, uh, did you read number five yet? So number yeah. four and number five. So what oh, would you give these? I buy both. Yeah, I would also give them buy for both of them. Uh, we have, uh, more of this Shadow Squadron. Basically, there, there's something that's happening that's tipping off the Empire, even with this squadron. As to where they're at and what, what they're, they're doing. doing. Yeah. Uh, we have Han and Chewie. They're trapped on uh, Coruscant mm-hmm. uh, after the one deal went bad. 
Uh, we have Leia got completely shot up in issue number five. Yeah, and that's where it it looks like this. It's coming from like her computer and her thing. It looks like she might be the leak. Yeah, unknowingly. Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, I bet somebody did something to see through you. Yep, and we have uh, Vader puts someone in uh, this female officer in charge of in charge, rebuilding yeah. the uh, the Death Star. So obviously, I would. If they're going to tie it into the movies at all, I would think something happens to her eventually. Because yeah, for a scene, yeah, because like acting moth. Yep, um, I love the this panel right up here of uh, Han, Han and, and Chewie inside the cantina. I thought that was really cool. Uh, really good art in this in this book. Yeah, I like Leia's like X wing. It's like the black one. that's all shot to hell. And yeah, she's, like, she's dying. And... Yep, and she's like holding her chest and yeah. like there's some real consequences here potentially because. They don't have to follow any continuity. Like, Leia doesn't have to live, as far as I know. Like, Han Solo doesn't have to live. Chewbacca doesn't have to live. Luke doesn't have to live. Like, he can take the story any direction he wants, as far as from what uh, I, I know. I mean, it's it's supposed to be right after... After A New Hope. Yeah, and then... But, and, but they didn't say anything about it had to tie into Empire. But, I mean... I don't know. That's the thing. I, I don't know. I would, I'm assuming it does. I'm going to try to... I'm actually honestly going to try to reach out to Brian Wood and see if we can get him on the show. Yeah. And, and I actually want to ask him, like, are you required to follow all three movies or were you only required to follow any direction you wanted after the first movie? Uh, I know he's bringing in characters like Boba Fett and stuff like that from the other movies, but I don't know if he's required to follow the other two movies. I would think so. I, I don't know. I, I mean, know. Star Wars, for the most part, is pretty canon-driven, so... Yeah, but this is a completely separate canon. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be more interesting if he doesn't have to follow the other two movies. And, yeah, we'll see. And he could, this way, there is actual suspense. So, like, are these characters going to live or die? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's on issue five, so we're yeah. still early in the series. They're using Wedge a lot in the, in the book, which I like. I like the character. A lot of people do. Um, then we have uh, Dawn of the Jedi, Prisoner of Bogan, uh, number four. What did, do you remember this one? Mm, I don't think I wrote that one. Uh, <laughs> um, page. I gave this one a borrow. Uh, there's definitely a relationship going on between uh, oh, Zesh. Oh, the Jedi number four. Yes. Uh, low borrow snarf. Okay. Yeah, you're just not really liking this one at all. No. You you haven't liked it from the beginning. Um, I really I really like it. Uh, I'm enjoying the story. I the art's beautiful. Um, I like that the prophecy is about to become fulfilled, where there's going to be these uh, creatures showing up with lightsaber, red lightsabers. Um, you get some more background. Like I said, there's a relationship that's building up. So I, I like it. I think it's worth a borrow. I wouldn't say go out and buy it. It's not mind blowing Star Wars, but if you get a chance to to check it out, it's it's worth a read. Yeah. Um, Skip it. <laughs> Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin, number one. Give it a buy. I did also. I liked this a lot more than I thought I was going to. So did I. Um, because I didn't know what they meant by Ninth Assassin. Basically, Vader's had eight assassins yeah. try to take him out, and this is the ninth one that this group is trying to send his way. Um, the art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's some nice twists in it. The guy's trying to get revenge for his son. Yeah. And he... To- get the revenge he has to pay the price with like his eyes yes the guy wants his eyes <laughs> yeah there's this there's this almost vader like looking assassin that shows up and he, yeah. he proves himself by killing everyone in the room 
Yeah. Uh, and, and then, yeah. Yeah, because the guy went in, like, heavily armed and with his own grives, and he goes, for what I want to do, he goes, wow, it'll cost you your eyes. Yes. And so we see the guy later with his, with patches over his eyes and everything Costing else. His vision. And he's like, soon, Vader, very soon. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm more excited about this title. And, than yeah, I, the assassin he paid to do that, it kind of looks like a dragon. Yeah, so there's like, cool. he's like the boss guy. Yeah. So who who's going to provide the assassin for him? So I, or he might even be the assassin. Yeah, he might end up being the assassin. We don't know. I took it that he is the guy. Yeah, like I said, I bought it going. Oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Like it just, and especially with it being a mini series, and a lot of these have been like the, the purge stuff have been yeah. the Vader ones have not been very long. But and I and I think I'm waiting for a Vader story that's not good because they've all been very good. And I'm yeah. like, the shoe's got to drop at some point where we're in a bad bad Star Wars Vader story, but. This ain't it. No, <laughs> so it's good so far, and again, it's only one issue, but yep. it's pretty good. All right, now we've got, because uh, we didn't cover them last time, we've got three issues of Transformers Gen- Regeneration 1. So we got 88, 89, and 90. So do you know what you gave any of these? Yeah, I gave them, like, high borrows. Yeah, I'm kind of in the I'm, same. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm in the it's same boat. Good. The one issue, I think it was... Actually, 89, I think, is the one I really enjoyed the most um, because that's where we start seeing that Scorponok's taking over the Autobots, like their minds and everything else, and they're having to actually battle um, fellow Autobots and taking them over. We have the return of Grimlock with the Dinobots. Um, Shockwave's all messed up. Yep. Um, it's still a lot of it's a lot of hot rod for me, but <laughs> um, yeah, hot rod goes into a temple that he finds like you can get information or you can get a weapon, and yeah. he picks the information. Which duh, you always pick the information. You don't take the weapon. Perceptor evidently had worked with Grimlock to take down Scorponok. Uh, Perceptor Scorponok believed Perceptor was still under his control, but yeah. Grimlock was able to release him using like this magical key type thing. Yeah, my favorite of the three was issue ninety because okay, pretty much in issue ninety at the end we see um, Optimus Prime and you see a little bit more of Starscream doing what he's doing, but and the arc is taking off. Yeah, and then like at the the end of it, he he like transforms as he's rolling around and he, he says Megatron with a question mark. Right, because he, he so sees like, Galvatron in the window yeah. and he thinks it's Megatron. Yeah. So he's he's like confused. But yeah, I mean, overall it's been a fun ride. I'm kind of curious where this is going to go on the next 10 issues because we have 10 more issues before uh, for them to wrap up the story that, they're, that they want to tell. I'm hoping that, that by the next issue we're going to get away from the whole Scorponok wanting to take over story because that's Kind of run its course now. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was it's, fine. It's been kind of uh, yeah, it's, going out a little. It's fine, but it, it yeah, it's it's kind of run its course. Um, then we have uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise number fifteen and number sixteen. Uh, I gave both of those buys. Yeah, I did as well. This has been. I mean, it's been no surprise. It's been my favorite uh, Transformers uh, series, especially in recent months. Uh, we have Prowl controlling Devastator. Uh, who and he uses that to basically crush. I mean, he crushed Superion uh, and took him down, uh, split him in half, yeah. which is the last page on uh, 15. number fifteen. And then uh, he gets removed from the head, and I believe, if I remember right, Megatron takes over the head at the end of. Uh, he actually transforms himself into the the head of Devastator. Um, at one point, 
but then like he's taken down. Uh, Metal Hawk is taken down by Starscream. Yeah, which was a traitor move. Yeah. But and then, he, he, then he brings him out to say like he's fallen. Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? Yeah, blah, that blah, the blah. the Septicons did this. We need to make sure that we are uh, one and that there's no more separation anymore. And they put uh, everyone puts Starscream in charge. He sent casts out all the Autobots and Decepticons who can't uh, give up their their designations that don't want to work together. And uh, so they're sent out and he picks up a crown that's on the ground and yeah. puts it on his head. And now he's the one in charge. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. That's how Starscream rolls. Yeah. So then we had uh, more than meets the eye number 14 and 15. Snurf and snurf. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm just not digging this story. 14. If I remember right. I gave a snarf to it was a turd. Uh, f- <laughs> fifteen. I gave actually a borrow to. Um, Fourteen was a bigger turd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fifteen. I liked it better because we had rewind sacrifices himself to save everyone because they can't beat. I think it was uh, Overlord or uh, I can't remember who it was that they were up against. I don't know if you remember at all or not. I mean, he was basically a big bad guy. Who the one thing I liked in. 14 was he he was being held in stasis and in this pod thing that he was being held in he which he he got free of um he actually was able to slow up time so when chrome dome tried to escape he knew that it was going to what was going to feel like seconds was going to be like more like five years but chrome dome does get out and before that time period but it's been a, a several minutes and uh He's already, Overlord's already taken out several of the Autobots. Uh, Rewind ends up trapping himself inside a room, uh, an escape thing with uh, Overlord. And uh, Chrome Dome has to blow it up. And Rewind knew that going into it. So that that's kind of why I liked uh, 15 a little bit better. It was because there was more of a straightforward story there. So... I'm hoping this title is going to get better. There are signs that it's going to get more in a direction that I would like to read, so we'll see. Then we had Transformer Spotlight Trail Cutter one shot. Yeah, I gave it a borrow. I gave it a borrow also. I like this a lot better. It's by the same people that do, uh, at least the same writer that does More Than Meets the Eye. Um, but I like this story a lot better for some reason. Uh, they gave trail. It was Trailblazer, is who it is. Yeah. And he changes his name in the issue to Trailcutter. Yeah. I, I, I legally, I don't think they could call him that anymore. But well, they call him that for a little bit in in the issue. Um, it's got some quirky funniness to it, where he wants to earn this these medals from Hot Rod. Yeah. Um, it, which in the end end up meaning nothing. Uh, but we get more insight as to his, um his force field, how it works and how he's just viewed as the force field guy. But we proved that even without his force field, he can, he can do a lot. So, uh, we have a lot of the insecticons show up as far as, uh, there's like chop shop. And I think, uh, venom is one of them. Uh, if I remember, if I'm remembering the names correctly. So, um, it was, it was a fun read. It's a one shot. So, I mean, I would even say it's, it's almost worth picking up just, 
if you want a good one shot type story. And especially if you're you know, a fan of that character, sure. Yeah, or if you're just a fan of Transformers and you're just looking for a one shot to pick up that you don't really need much background to. Right. Um, it's it's worth picking up. So uh, then we got uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe number one. This is the ongoing. Yeah, from DC Comics. Right. I, I gave it a buy. I gave it a buy also. I, I really liked what they were doing. There's things of it I don't like. Um, oh, do tell. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, Tila, I do like how they explained her having red hair now. Mm-hmm. Or they just kind of like, she changed it and they kind of poked fun at, at that change. Yeah. Um, the sorceress is dead. Yeah, yeah, they had like a funeral procession for So her, you really, that, that might be my one complaint is that this is a number one of an ongoing it really picks up right where the miniseries left off. So if you didn't read the miniseries, you could be a little lost with this. I almost wish they had just said at the end of that miniseries, this is now going to be an ongoing. And so after number six, this was number seven. Like, yeah. that would have probably made more sense. But I like Adora being in charge, uh, like, of the, uh, is it Hordax uh, troops? Yeah. So she, com- she comes in, yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's Despera. Uh, the one other thing I don't like is in this is that they make Tila very bratty, um, uh, and she comes across even more so in issue number two, which I know you haven't read yet, but I, I read number two and yeah, I mean with her and Adam there was always that you know sibling rivalry. Yeah, but she's bratty to everybody. I mean, she just found out that the sorceress was her mom, and their mom's dead, and they kept a secret from her, so well, you're going to have an attitude. And so. she doesn't care that it was her mom, so she's more like, yeah, she's more like she doesn't like magic that. users, and that she was lied to, and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, she's going to put up a the front and stuff like that. They'll probably, you know, build the character yeah. and tear her down a Wait little till you read number two, though. They, I'm, just I'm, I'm just saying, they, they make her way more bratty. Um, nah, spoilers for number two, also, it's made very clear that they know that Adam is He-Man. Too. So it, why he has to do that? Because the, in the first issue, I mean, of that miniseries, remember mm-hmm. he was Adam and right. the He-Man, and they yeah. all kind of knew at that right. long time. So. Um, so, I mean, why there needs to even be an Adam, why he can't just be He-Man all the time, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, overall, I liked it. The art is really good. Like I said, yeah. it, is a, it is a buy. I like the story that they're telling. So, then we get, I'm going to get into uh, another title that we skipped last time, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we have 18, 19, 20, and 21. Right. So what did you give these? Uh, 18, I gave a uh, borrow to. I think 19 and 20. And 21, I gave a buy to. Okay. 18 and 19, I gave borrows to. Uh, 20, I gave a buy. And 21, I gave... Uh, a high borrow to. Okay. Um, twenty or uh, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty deal with the neutrinos. Right. And I'm not a big neutrinos fan. I'm really not either. Uh, I like more of the street level against the Foot Clan that type of story, or sure. or against other mutants uh, when they have to face off against other mutants. I liked it. It's it's not that it was a bad story. It's just like it was giant battles, and I don't really see how they tried to. You know, squeeze in the whole ninja aspect of how they're able to take on tanks and everything else. Yeah. Um, by the time twenty came, I was ready for it to be over, and, and luckily the story was over, so that probably contributed to it being a buy. Sure. sure. <laughs> and there was some really awesome action coming from uh, the turtles, and 
they come home, so that, that was nice. Um, then we get into 21, which if you're a fan of uh, Eastman's art, you're going to really like this issue. Yeah, uh, that's the one I gave the buy to. Yeah, I gave it a high borrow um, just because I felt like it was kind of predictable. Okay. Um, the turtles are going up against this uh, this other being who seems to be a mutant. And, again, spoiler alert, but we spoil everything, it ends up being Splinter. Yeah. Which the turtles don't know that. They just think it's somebody going after their master. Um, but at a certain point, I was like, this is going to end up being Splinter. And if it ends up being Splinter, I'm going to be a little upset because... That seems so cliched. I, like I would rather have been this mystery character oh, yeah, the whole you time, not know about. right? And have them pop in every once in a while, and then have something tying into maybe a whole other faction that turtles have to go up against. Well, um, I mean, it, it's good too because you know they you find out who it is, and you find out you know why he's doing it. Yeah, so. it's it's for further training and, and everything else. Um, the other reason why I, get, I don't give this a total buy is because this is definitely the issue where, like I mentioned before, if you didn't read Secret. Uh, history of the Foot Clan, you yeah, might be a little lost, lost at the very yeah. end because the the reveal of the Kitsune, which was the fox uh, spirit character that Shredder uh, knew in his past and everything. I mean, that character has been in the first couple of issues too. Remember the fox? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and they show the Doctor also, who yeah. was in the the mini series. So, if you didn't read the mini series, you're not going to know who this Doctor is. You might be a little lost as far as who Kitsune is. So that yeah, it definitely helps to you know make sure you're reading you know the tie-ins, I guess, right. to get some continuity out of it. But they're not vital. I mean, yeah. Um, whereas this one, like I said, I felt like it, it was almost a little bit more crucial. Um, and then we had the micro series Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villains Krang. I give that a, a high borrow. Yeah, I give it a, a high borrow also because I think it, again, I think this one surprised me. Um, I am not a huge fan of Krang as a character again because I feel you know, like he's the neutrino tie-in thing. Yeah. But we find out how deadly he really is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. At the end, he kills his one officer. Uh, guy and by just jumping at his throat and killing yeah. him. So you show like even outside of a body, uh, like a, a humanoid body, he's deadly. Yeah. So I mean, even when they dropped him off as a brain, and he had to like find a little animal to ride, yeah, and shelter and all that. And, yeah. Um, we find out that he has daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker! Everyone's got daddy issues, but yeah, he his he's discarded by his dad. Uh, he goes on a mission and he's get he's the one that gets left behind that they think he's dead and uh, he comes back triumphant and takes out the enemy and proves to his father that he can do this uh, and then we go back to the present day where he he's not going to let anything stand in his way and then the next micro series one we get is going to be for Baxter Stockman which that one just came out. Um, I don't have it yet, but I, I will have it, so we'll probably cover that next time we cover issues. So, All right, then we got uh, one other Transformers one before we jump into G.I. Joe. Uh, this is Transformers Fall of Cybertron one-shot. Do you remember what you gave it? I think I still have that. I haven't read it yet. Okay. <laughs> um, I had both covers for this. Um, I give this a buy if you didn't buy it digitally. Um, if you are interested in the game, uh, Fall Cybertron, or you like the figures or anything like that, I would definitely say pick this up. It's it's a really cool story with the Dinobots. 
Um, not going to reveal anything since since you haven't read it, but the thing that I didn't realize that kind of annoyed me, but I probably still, still would have bought it anyways, was they ne- in the solicitations, I don't ever remember them mentioning that this was the digital copy, the digital comics in a hard copy form. Oh, okay. I bought all the digital cop issues, and then this came out, and I thought this was going to be just a continuation of that or, oh, yeah, yeah. or something new, and here all it is is those digital issues in a hard copy form. Now you have two copies of the hard copy. Yes. Nice. Well, I'm gonna give Triple one. Away. I'm gonna give one away at Baltimore. So. Oh, Chuck's gonna get one at Baltimore. <laughs> so, so this was uh, the the cover I have here is the incentive cover, which I paid a little bit extra for, but I really liked the art on it. So. Sure. Yeah, Grimlock. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wraparound cover with Optimus Prime and Grimlock on the front, and Megatron on the back. So, it's really cool. All right, some GI Joe action here. So we got GI Joe Real American Hero Ooh. number. 189. So we're actually not really behind on this. Yeah, this one's kind of caught all. up. Yeah. Um, so what'd you give this? I gave a low buy to it. Really? Yeah. I, I gave it a solid buy. Really? I really like the Red Shadows. Yeah, story. I do too. It's it's just. Eh. I wish it would continue a little bit more. Yeah, kind of wrapped up kind of quickly. Yeah, I mean, there was we only got two issues of the Red Shadows. I would have liked a little bit more. Uh, we have Black Major gets away. Um, and that's where I'm at. I mean, this was so action packed it's like even the beginning of the issue yeah it's it's just guns blazing and guns firing and stuff like that and again duke gets shot that's what oh that was great shut up i I mean the action not the duke getting shot is what i like about the the issue because i mean at this point with this story it should just be straight up action until we get to the end um, and that's that's kind of where I had the problem, you know, a little bit at the end here. It's it's still good because of all the action and the classic characters yeah. and stuff. But I mean, at the end, they're like, hey, let's just work out our differences. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Nobody bust a cap in somebody's ass? They did. The Red Shadows. They shot all of them. So. Yeah. Well, um, but the solicitation for the next issue has like Major Blood standing over Lady J, and she's like uh, at the. Uh, on their knees, tied up with her hands behind her back, with a blindfold on, like assassin style. He's just going to put a gun bullet so, in the back of her head, and he's drawing his pistol out. So let's go into a gallant gap real quick with that. So what do you think's happening? Like, what do you think brought it to this point? Like, what do you think's going to be going on? Well, let's look. They're, they look, they appear to be in a jungle or on an island or something like that. And I think they captured her, maybe mm-hmm. spying on them because there's a couple other troops in the back. Right. And I think maybe Major Blood knows she's a Joe, and I, I think he's just going to shoot her right in the back of the head. <laughs> but then somebody comes and saves her, obviously, because I don't think they're going to yeah, kill her. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to kill Lady J. Um, I like the low-cut top there for it. Yeah, she's always had that unzipped a little bit too far. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think that this could tie into maybe some of the drug smuggling that Major Blood's always been involved with. Yeah, that's how he rolls. He's a mercenary, he does where the money's at. So somehow Lady J obviously gets caught up in that, but I I think that might be where the next story's going. Which would it like looking for a score? Which it'd be nice because we'll get away from the whole brainwave scanner, blue ninja re- rewrites again and again and again. So wow, hopefully, maybe. All right, so then we have uh, let's go into special missions number one and number two. Do we have to? <laughs> yes. 
All right, of the new G.I. Joe books, this is obviously the weakest for me. I agree. I am in the exact same boat. I feel like the... I don't like the art at all on this. I don't either. Um, the story is... is It's all right. It's okay. It's not great. Yeah. And it's not what I expected for Special Missions. Not at all either. I wanted Special Missions, like old Special Missions, where you have... Maybe a one and done or a two and done. Right. And you also have... that um, doesn't deal with Cobra. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, they go on other missions, they're dealing with other problems. This has everything to do with Cobra. I... I... I, The first issue I kind of gave a snarf to. Yeah. Second issue I give a borrow. Um, I'm right there. I mean, with special missions. I mean, it's it's sad to say, because it it harkens back just with the title to those old special mission yeah. books and they were really good but this is i don't like how they're drawing this, this is not i don't like how this is really yeah. bad i don't like how they're drawing bill docker um, i don't like how they're drawing any of the it. scrounger guy well i know but this they're making him like job of the hut size guy scarlet and it's not even consistent with the other yeah, book. yeah the, the eyes are sometimes really wonky on yeah. faces it's flat um but we have mainframe and scarlet at yeah. the end of issue number two they're trapped under this uh in the inside this cargo ship and there. there's a shark that's about to bite well, well they're trying to get that leg. sunken cobra sub to get all that stuff and right so i mean I, I understand where they're going where they're picking up from it but like you said special yeah. missions i thought it would be something else but I guess it's just going to be special missions following that little team of Mainframe and Scarlet. Yeah. Their band of merry men. And uh, Fred Van Linty had mentioned to us also that they were supposed to say something about this taking place before G.I. Joe number one, but it didn't. It didn't, yeah. It's because they were supposed to show how uh, the Baroness got back into the good graces of Cobra. But right now, she's just in it for herself. Yeah, with with all the that's all going on now, because you got a real American hero, and you got the ongoing G.I. Joe, you got the Cobra Files. Yeah. You can really skip special missions. Yeah, I, I'm just not really a fan. Now I do I'm like the co- I do like the covers they've been doing for special missions. Like, yeah, I have all the covers for issue number one, and I like the shark cover with Scarlet uh, for issue number two. So I mean, I like I like some of the covers they're doing, but I I just don't really care for uh, what they're doing with the, the title. Stories really, and the art subpar. Yeah. So um, then we have uh, GI Joe Cobra Files number one uh, that came out. And what'd you give this? Uh, with with the Cobra Files, I, w- I would give that one a buy. Yeah, I'd give it a buy also. I, I really liked it. Uh, this issue, we had Copperhead. Yeah, they, they, she went to Copperhead's house to you know try to talk to him. Right. Uh, it was a, what, Chameleon that went to go speak with him. And uh, he has... He's got a kid. Kid. He's got a whole family, but it doesn't stop her from shooting him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, that was the only thing that was disappointing was... I liked the idea of using Copperhead, and then you get rid of him right away. So that was my own, probably my only complaint was that, hey, we're introducing this character that maybe we could develop Copperhead more than he's ever been developed before. Yeah. And then we get we get rid of him. Um, we do see that uh, Flint and was was it Chameleon or was it Ronan um, kiss um, at the very end here. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Chameleon. I think it was Chameleon also. So they actually kiss, so we don't have the Flint and Lady J yet, that yeah. connection. Um, and we see that Billy wakes up out of his coma Yeah. at the very end. So that was a cool cliffhanger. So I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do a lot with Billy coming up, going, hope so, yeah. going up against uh, the Joes. And then we had, uh, last but not least, G.I. Joe number three of the new ongoing. I like the ongoings. I, I gotta give that a buy. I, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I gave this one a buy, and surprisingly, this might shock you. I give this my total buy out of all of the issues that we covered today. Wow. Um, and it's about all about Duke. 
Yeah, I know. Shocker. I know. <laughs> um, we have Duke. The only thing I didn't like with this issue is, uh, is again, we're we're going back to the old well again of that we have a, like some type of brainwave scanner th- type of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's sort of. I mean, going on. Basically, um, we're trying to get secrets out of his head. Yeah. The thing I liked about it is we got the whole history, or not whole history, but a lot of Duke's past history of things that happened in his life, how he got to G.I. Joe. He obviously he looks like he had a relationship before joining yeah. Joe. Um, we get the adventure team that he played with the adventure team as, as a, kid. a kid. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. There, Cobra's trying to get the passcode that lets uh, G.I. Joe know that everything was okay because they want to ambush him. Mm-hmm. And, but they prove, they state that uh, Duke has um, a, an impressive heartbeat and an impressive mind that they're never going to be able to force him to tell them. So they have to trick him. So he gives the passcode at the end. But we find out at the very last page that Joe Colton knows that password, and it actually was put into the toys. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's all clear. It actually means ambush. Yeah. So I, I like that twist at the very end. I really, I know some people. I've heard comments that they don't like the Steve Kurth art. I really like the art. I'm I'm a fan, but art's always subjective. So. Yeah, it's 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 okay, and it's it's actually better than what's going on in Special Missions. Or yeah. Cobra, so. so I like I, said, I really like uh, what they're what they're doing with that book. There are definitely some continuity issues with the Joe book, yeah. uh, no doubt about that. We've that seen the one where uh, Crockmaster showed up. Uh, we also had that's the one where Shipwreck was just given his code name when he yeah. had it before. So he's badass. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna. I think we're probably gonna have Van Linty on again in the future, and I'll, I'm I have no problem asking him about those things, and I'm sure we'll probably get like a uh, I didn't think. Didn't know about that, but <laughs> you guys read that <laughs> So, so we'll kind of see. But I mean, overall, I I like what they're doing. Like I said, this issue I really like. I finished reading and going, wow! I didn't think I was going to like a Duke story that much, but yeah. but I really did. So that's everything. So you want to go over maybe a couple of hits that you liked on pre comic book day? Well, I figure we'll do that in the uh, ammo dump. All right, that's cool. Episode that'll be episode ninety eight. So sure. Uh, all right, so with that, let's uh, go ahead and give our information out. You can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com. Interact with us every day. Please leave us an iTunes review. We haven't had one since February. So, yeah, it's been a long time. Come so on, uh, please leave us a, uh iTunes review. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a profile page and a fan page. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. It's the smart way to radio. Uh, you it's can smart way to listen. Yes, whatever. Sure. <laughs> you can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, one is we're doing the T-shirts again. Yeah. So this year it's going to be, uh, just like last year, it's going to be $20 for the shirt plus $5 for shipping. If you get more than one shirt, it's still just going to be the $5 for the shipping and $20 per shirt. Uh, what you'd want to do is you'd want to email us. Uh, or contact me through Facebook uh, or on the forums. Or Twitter. Or or even Twitter, yeah. Um, I need to know your name and your address, where everything will be sent to. Uh, I need to know your size, and I need to know what color you want. And the color choices this year are going to be the standard black or a military green, so like a dark green. Right, army green. So uh, those are going to be the two choices this year. Uh, we won't have the gray this year. The gray was... From last year, we might bring it back again. Maybe next year, if we do it again, I don't it's know. Retired. It's retired. 
Uh, but you'll have the military green or the or the black as your choices. Uh, I need your orders in, and I need and you need to pay in advance. So you need to pay by June twenty second. Uh, so it gives you almost a whole month uh, to place your order and to make your payment. And there'll be reminders on Facebook and the forums and everything else. But uh, if you do not pay by June twenty second, it won't be ordered. It won't be ordered because we're not paying for it. <laughs> and then hope to collect money from you later. Yeah, we're not putting the bill. Um, but the shirts have been awesome. Uh, they hold up their color. They hold up their... Uh, yeah, they're Hanes tagless t-shirts. Yeah. Um, they're great. The logo, I still got mine. I've worn yep. a lot. I've washed it a lot. The logo looks really good. It's yep. still crisp. The black shirt hasn't faded. No, not at all. Uh, so. and, and just like Chuck said, I wear mine a lot. So every time I get it, I wear it. And then it gets washed. And uh, it hasn't faded or anything like that. Uh, if you're going to, uh, the caveat to the shipping is that if you're going to be at Baltimore Con, you don't need to pay for shipping. Just let us know you're going to be at Baltimore, and we'll just bring it. We'll just bring it with us. Save five it, bucks. Give it to you at Baltimore. Yeah, and you save yourself the five dollars for the shipping. But yeah, contact us. Let us know. You can place your order before you pay, but you just have to make sure you pay by June twenty second. And if you notify me that of what you want and you haven't paid yet, I will probably most likely contact you before June 22nd just to remind you, hey, in order to get this shirt, you need to pay. Right. Um, and you can pay just by going to our website of starjoes.com, and there's a donate button, and you can just pay through the donate button. It's so. just like Republic Credits or something, yeah. but it's cash. Yeah, it's cash. Um, the, other, the last thing I wanted to mention is our voicemail, uh, which is 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. The reason why I wanted to mention that last was we're coming up on our 100th episode. We have some things planned for our 100th episode, and hopefully everything works out. But in between, in case the di- falls through. No, in between the different segments for the 100th episode, I would love to play voicemails from you guys. So you can congratulate us for 100, uh, 100 episodes. You can tell us go to hell for our 100 episodes. Hey, I can't believe you guys made it 100. You guys suck so bad. Right. Whatever you want to say in regards to our having our 100th episode, leave us a voicemail and it'll be played on the 100th episode. So, you know, say who you are. You can plug your stuff if you want to plug your stuff, but it should have something to do with us reaching 100 episodes, uh, what good or bad, whatever. And I will play those voicemails in between our segments on episode 100. So, And if you just want to leave a regular voicemail, that's fine. It just won't be played during that time, but it will be played. Yeah, it'll be played at some point in the future, and we'll respond to it. But if you want to get in on the 100th episode as far as uh, leaving us a message, we'll play it on the 100th episode. And uh, thanks for doing it in advance. Yeah. So, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Thanks.
addicted to an overuse of graphics and making Greedo shoot first on shot Try to how the force makes sense You introduce the midi-glorians And what's the deal with having me Be dumped over But you didn't have to change it all Make them like they never happened And the fans are nothing I don't even need your love You treat me like a panther And I feel so rough No, you didn't have to make them blow Have your friends direct your movies and they'll turn out better You think that you don't need them, no What happened to the stars that I used to know? What happened to the stars that I used to know? What happened to the stars that I Of all the times I screwed fans over I had them believing that the first three films were really done But Star Wars will be done my way I don't care what they have to say I think that they should let it go And they'll never get a Blu-ray of the Star Wars that you used to know Didn't have to change 